You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you triathlon studs and studettes. This is Coach Brett with another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon. On today's show, we have Tawny Prazak doing the news with me all the way over here from Endurance Planet, man. She and I go through all the latest triathlon news. It is super cool. It's like 45 minutes of back and forth. It's really cool. And let's see, we have Kai's Coaching for Kids. Uh, my nine-year-old triathlete son gives us um, swim advice for open water swimming, which is really cool. He's trying to earn money to buy his first mountain bike, and uh, it's it's turning out well. And then we have the training log. I take you with me on epic, epic training week. Uh, over Easter weekend, I logged like 19 hours of training in three days, and parts of my bike are starting to explode off of it. I cracked my handlebars. The rear bottle cage holders flew off in the middle of a ride. Um, uh, I get into an overtraining kind of hole a little bit. I start swimming with paddles and an ankle band at the same time. And I tell you why I'm doing all this, uh, the specific reasons. But in general, I'm doing it because Ironman Texas is coming up. And this is the last final build uh, before you know a full Ironman, a 140.6. So I've got um, just tons of nutrition tips and all kinds of good stuff like that in there. So let's go ahead and get rolling with the show. First off, let's start with the news with Tawny Prazak. Let's slide on over here to the news desk. Here we go. Been like all fucked up, so I was like, God, I hope that's not my fault. <laughs> my computer just bit it like totally. I thought maybe the Are battery you on a wasn't charged. Computer. No, I, no, I'm back on. It's a Mac, too. I mean, these things, like, never crash, so it was really scary. Weird. Okay. Okay, so we're back. Are we and, on? And uh, we're talking about podcasting problems. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the trials and tribulations yeah. of podcasting. Yeah, so I used to have a little MP3 recorder, and I would plug in a, um, oh, a little, like, lapel mic to it. And I would wear that lapel mic on me while I would go for a bike ride or for a run. So I had cables like everywhere. <laughs> and then to listen to it, I would wear headphones. So now I got headphones connected to the MP3 player going in and then a wireless mic coming out. And I had this thing and it didn't work half the time, you know. But you're only so. doing that on like your easier sessions, right? Um, used to, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're pretty fast. <laughs> I was obviously following you for the Galveston and everything. You can't be like trading hardcore and trying to podcast at the same time. Um, no, but I don't know. I don't do the the long casual bike rides. I don't have time for it anymore. Just to yeah. go, you know, for a five hour ride for no reason or something. I know, right? Yeah, the earliest episodes, Kai was a little baby, so um, he wasn't doing much yet. You know, so I could leave the house for a while mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, have the, have, uh, Hey, the dog is your brother. Play with your, play with your brother. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, okay. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, but where were we? Um, news. yeah, we, we lost a lot of time with that, with that, uh, 
crash. That's there. right. I have a client that I'm meeting in just about an hour right now. So we okay. can, I have base. I'm already in my next workout outfit for her. So we have an hour. Okay. So let me dig up this, our shared document, but we can get started on it. Uh, Iron Man 70.3 Lake Tahoe. That was just announced today, right? Yeah. Monday, April 21st. So I thought it was really interesting. I started, I did, did some digging around. Yeah. And found out that Iron Man Lake Tahoe hasn't even sold out yet. Well, see, rumor on the street in my circle of people is that there we're potentially expecting Iron Man Tahoe to be the next St. George yeah. situation. And this would be a convenient uh progression by already implementing the 70.3 without making it look like the Iron Man failed, which I think <laughs> sucks. Yeah. I, I think the Iron Man's a great event. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And then, uh, the whole, yeah, because it's too hard for a lot of people, and that's why people haven't signed up for it again, right? And it's a mix of too hard and the weather's too variable. Um, so it could be really, really cold like, like it was last year. It's tough. That time of year, you know, when I was there last year, we talked to some locals about it, and they did say that last year was kind of an anomaly, the fact that it snowed when it did, but at the yeah. same time, they say it's the transition point in the year. you got to expect anything at that point. Yeah. So, um, I mean, even look at the grand scheme. Like, it wasn't even that uh, harsh of a winter by any means whatsoever in California. In fact, we're kind of screwed. And one, see, even some of my athletes are saying the Russian River up at Vine Man right now is extremely low. And, I mean, that's a uh, low, <laughs> like, very shallow swim to begin with. Yeah. But anyways, I mean, with Tahoe and the weather and everything, it's just – that's – to me, like that's part of the allure of an Ironman event mm -hmm. is taking the risk of never knowing what it could be on race day in terms of weather and conditions. I mean, isn't that kind of what we have to expect when we do an outdoor sport for that long of a duration? <laughs> yeah. And there's two other things, too, um, that some people already feel slighted that they signed up for an Ironman and they wanted the full Ironman experience. And now there's a whole bunch of half, the way they're saying it, there's a bunch of half Ironman people yeah. there. Like those are people are like less, Lesser. less than or something. And I'm like, people that race half Ironmans are pretty badass. You know, like it's not, there's, it's a half Ironman. It's, it's hard. It's, it's they're all you hard know? in their own right. It's not and a it's 5k. I mean, it's a yeah. freaking half Ironman, you know? So I don't get that. I was reading that and I, but I noticed a lot of people were Absolutely. saying that, which I thought was interesting. And Here's then, what I'm, I'm wondering. Let yeah. me. So, like, logistically, I know that the half is going to be one loop, but just being an Ironman, I'm sure there's going to be crossover. And from what I experienced in those changing tents, and everyone can vouch for this who did Ironman Tahoe last year, is that it was complete chaos. If it does happen to be cold again, the changing tents, you felt like a sardine. Like, yeah. I'm not even exaggerating. It was bodies on bodies trying to take was everything off. Was it cold, though, or was it warm? You were kind of in shock at that point. It, as long as <laughs> it wasn't warm or cold. You blacked out. You don't even I know. I couldn't feel my hands and my feet, but I was able to at least take off all the wet stuff and put on dry, kind of dry stuff, if that makes any sense. Yeah. <laughs> so if they're having a half Ironman intermixed within all of that, I just – and it does happen to be crazy weather again. It just seems like it's going to be complete chaos in T1. Now, and then now the other thing is – 
Um, apparently, they do this in Europe a lot and yeah, uh, yeah. Asia. They do the Iron Man and the half Iron Man together. So they know how to do it over there. Um, and that's one of our other news stories about uh, Spain, Barcelona. Right. Uh, we'll get there in a second. But um, so, and apparently, it goes over okay over there. So but the weather's we, probably very different, right? For the most part, I'm sitting in Barcelona, I bet, yeah. races. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's snow. Yeah. So, but it's going to be I really interesting. Cool. Um, you know, it's, it, I'm just going to, I'm most curious about what we're going to see in like three to five years with this whole race and situation in Tahoe. Because I think they signed a decent contract. Um, I don't know the logistics or the details of it, but I think they signed, you know, more than just year at a time for the Ironman. Yeah, I, I think, think they, I think they do like four years a or couple something? or several years. Yeah. Or yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not really in our news stories, but Ironman Texas got renewed and they're moving the date like about a month earlier, which is really going to affect Galveston because a lot of people use Galveston as a training do, day as a training day. And it's far wow. enough apart. You know, some guy, some guy, I remember him saying, well, I do Galveston, and then, and then if they do the date, if they move them closer together, then it's just three weeks until Texas, and that's perfect. And I'm like, three weeks? I mean, like, that's a two-week taper for an Ironman that gives you one week to train. Well, you need a week to recover from Galveston, <laughs> you know? And then you got to taper did, for the Ironman. There's, uh, there's, that's not enough time, three weeks. You can, people can do it. I mean, that's what I tried to do last year when I had already signed up for Tahoe, but I qualified for Vegas, and those were two weeks apart, and my body didn't like that month oh. very much. <laughs> that was tough. Maybe, oh, you know, maybe, you know, when, I, when they said the Tahoe thing, I hadn't really realized the European thing. And I, I remember my first reaction was, I kind of like this. Like, what if you could choose, you know, like um, at the same race doing a full or a half? You know, that's just my opinion. I'm not saying I'm right, but I'm just saying, I was like, that's kind of cool. I could go do Tahoe and I could pick. I could pick You mean like half. last minute? Just like change your mind? No, I mean, just, you know, when you're registering and you're, because oh. of the location, you're like, I want to go do a, yeah. uh, a race at Lake Tahoe. You yeah. Know? Well, well, I don't see, have to do a full. I could do a half if I wanted to. Totally. But the Barcelona one, you don't have the option because they're having it like completely different times of year. Oh, they are? They, yeah. The iron, I just read this before. I wanted to um, make sure I'm brushed up on all the details. <laughs> um, the full <laughs> is going to be October of this uh-huh. year <laughs> and the half is in May of next year. So they're like kind of literally not even close whatsoever. Oh, that doesn't really count, does it? Yeah. So, I mean, it, I, I know it syncs up with some of them, but some of them obviously not. Um, and Cabo, they changed the date of that, the full Ironman. Mm-hmm. That's normally a March Ironman, and next year it's going to be an October Ironman. Okay. That could be nice. could still be really hot. Yeah, definitely probably not wetsuit legal like it has been the last couple of years. Yeah. So, so let's move on to only in Texas, uh, just south of Austin. I've actually run the Ragnar Relay along this highway. Mm. On 281, two guys in a pickup truck hit a cyclist. This is terrible. And then uh, tried to hide the body. They tried to stow the body in the back of the pickup truck to go get rid of it later. And somebody saw it happen and reported, re- reported the vehicle that was in the accident to the police and then later the police were alerted by somebody saying uh, some guys were acting suspiciously on some country road somewhere and the police caught them trying to throw the body into a canal 
And then the guy that got hit and killed actually was a, um, there's even more to that story. He was a uh, cycling advocate in Austin. Oh, jeez. And he used to weigh 300 pounds and like completely turned his life around with cycling. And there's a whole bunch of, they said a whole bunch of bike lanes are credited to this guy. Like this guy oh, was a big deal. God. And, um, and uh, yeah. So, so <laughs> I was, I watched that clip you sent me and it made me want to like throw up in my mouth. But besides that. <laughs> I'm um, sorry for saying <laughs> It's so terrible. I mean, this whole, uh, uh, yeah, it's just, it kills me how many people are getting hit on their bikes. But now someone's taking it to a level of trying to like dump the body. But okay. So it sounds like the, he was riding with someone else though. Yeah. And for somebody that other it. person called 911. My question is. Where was that person who called nine one one when these guys? Because then they couldn't find the body right away, and then yeah. they, what happened in between the nine one one call with that cyclist and the other guys taking the body and trying to dispose of it somewhere else? I guess they grabbed him real quick and threw him in the back of the truck and then just took off. It's two guys, right? So they could That's easily so lift wrong. up somebody and a bike and throw them in the truck and then just take off. And it's at night. It was four thirty in the morning. So, um, I want to say, you know, your first reaction was, Hey, don't bike at four thirty in the morning, but we shouldn't have to say things like that. You should be able to bike anytime you want and not have right. people hit you. It's not, you know, it's not advised, but it's also shouldn't be something you have to worry about somebody trying to, and then, you know, the other thing, Tawny is how many times has this happened? Yeah. Where I- somebody's been hit and then they just pick them up and, and like take them off somewhere. And then you would never know what happened to that person. They've just gone missing. I'm. I can call me naive, but does that happen? I'm. If, this is if it today it happened, and these guys just happen to get caught. It's got to happen several times a year. Uh, the ones the that you know, the one the the incidences that we have usually where around where I live, it's mostly it, no one's. I, as far as I know, no one's ever tried to take the body and like dispose it. What we normally see is more of the hit and the run. So they hit the purse, the cyclist, mm-hmm. and then they just speed off being like probably in that, holy crap, what did I just do state of mind and trying to get away scot-free. Well, where you live, you probably have mountain lions just jumping off of the the sides of the roads, taking cyclists down. We have everything. And pin them down, and then the tarantulas come out, right? And they come out and on the their hind legs. Like that, and then the tarantulas start cheering on the rattlesnakes. <laughs> and then the mayhem. sharks. Everybody talks about Texas being crazy, but you guys they take it to a whole other level. And the sharks, too. Don't forget about the sharks. <laughs> the snakes drag the bodies out to the sharks. Where I went surfing yesterday is where they have sightings probably twice a month for great whites. Ugh. But it's they have sightings all the time, yet no one has ever had an actual incident. And until that day happens, I'm going to continue to surf there because it's my all-time favorite place to surf in the yeah. world. Yeah. Well, which yeah. which 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 stretch of beach is it? It's San Onofre, um, right? You know where the power. Oh is? wow! Oh, yeah. I hate you, God. That's nice. Yeah. When you come out, you're coming out in July. You'll have to. Oh, we'll rent a board and go out there. Go to San Onofre. Go to churches. It's right right where I was yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. I've been to, I've surfed churches before. Yeah. So there's like trestles, churches, Mm -hmm. and then where I was, my, where I was was more of like the mellow longboarding waves. Yeah. I like that way better. Yeah. It's fine. I used to surf, uh, Torrey Pines a lot. Yeah. That's when I, um, when I lived down in San Diego, I surfed there quite a bit. I liked it because there was just nothing there and 
and the dolphins like to come up and down, like up. Totally. Yeah. So, anyways, sorry. <laughs> I, I guess this is to be expected with you and I, with our kind of shared passions on many different on levels. Um, I don't know how you'd necessarily get into talking about a tragedy like we are in. <laughs> We're surfing. talking about surfing <laughs> with dolphins. I, I hate to. Oh yeah. man, I feel like a total jerk right now for laughing um what okay so we actually i had a listener of our podcast endurance planet uh send a note to me over the weekend saying that his cousin uh who actually you know most of our shows are like q a format his cousin had recently asked a question and was you know an up-and-coming triathlete just went i think sub three in a marathon and was kicking butt and all this and he got hit on Tuesday out in Georgia while riding. It sounded like it was kind of like a T-bone situation where the car pulled out and mm. he didn't have enough time to react and probably just bam. But And he got a good amount of injuries that he's going to be okay, but he's going to have a solid recovery time in front of him. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where you just hear these stories on a weekly basis. It's not even like a random... And maybe it's because you and I are more involved in this world, but it's just you hear about them twenty four seven. Yeah, there's a I'm coaching a lady who's um, not a good road cyclist, and you know, telling her where to go bike, I had to list out so many intersections where I'm like, and I live where it's relatively safe, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah, telling her all the technicalities of how to get through each intersection safely. That's and, I, and I'm just sitting in the back of my mind going, why am I having to do this, you know? Yeah. Like, why can't, why can't we just, why can't it just work without people running over everybody, you know? Yeah, I, I've faced the same challenges when I'm talking to my local clients about writing. It's, you know, like, okay, don't go there. You can go here. And Yeah, and I've, how did you learn that? You learned that from somebody else or by a bad experience. Yeah. A near-death experience. <laughs> yeah. So. It's not easy. Um, so, do they have these two dudes in custody now? Are they going to yeah, totally. seriously? Yeah. Like, these guys are total D bags. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> you don't get any lower on the, my list than yeah, that. Yeah, I think what's funny uh, about this, or what's interesting about it, is, you know, guys will be like, oh, you know, cyclists got hit, haha. But you, you nearly kill somebody and then try to get rid of the body. Right now, that takes you to it in people's minds. That's a different kind of criminal now. You know, I wonder like, if that a lot of people will sympathize with I, the motorist. You know, being like, "Oh, well, the cyclist shouldn't have been in the road." You know, mm. but mm-hmm. then when all of a sudden, when it's they tried to get rid of the body, right? Um, which is exact. I mean, in a way, that's a lot like trying to hit and run. Right? You're trying to get away. They're just trying to get away right. for, with 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 it. Um, now all of a sudden, this because it's a mafia. cowardly move, it's, you know, then all of a sudden it's, a then, then it's despicable, you know? And it's like, well, what about the time where you just hit somebody? I mean, that's pretty bad too, right? <laughs> so terrible. Yeah. So were these guys, one of two situations, they were either drunk and coming home from some bar or whatever, or they were on their way to work. What do you think it was? Uh, they were probably on their way to a rodeo. Oh, is that how it works in there? <laughs> Everything in Texas is a rodeo. Or they're going to go hunting. Yeah, that's true, too, I guess. <laughs> I'm being silly. Uh. <laughs> I don't know. They're just. We did the Ragnar Relay running up and down that highway at 4 in the morning, at 3 in the morning, where we had uh, half of a lane coned off for us to run and running against traffic. And I'm sure... He- 
that's got to feel safe in that situation. That's why I mean right now, like I'm actually doing so much more of my training on the trainer. Uh-huh. Um, one, cause it's convenient and I'm busy and it's easy to just set up the bike and go for it. But more, it's just, you know, it's a lot safer and the less time I'm out on the road, the less chances of something bad happening. Yeah. I do most of my, um, weekday rides on the trainer and mm-hmm. then weekend rides early in the morning out in the, um, mm-hmm. out in the countryside. Yeah. I'm going to move closer to the router so we okay. get better signal. I'm moving into Kai's room. How's your, how's your Texas training going? I know you're just recovered from Galveston, but you're putting in some big volume right now from <laughs> what I hear on the show. I about killed myself recently just training. Right. Oh, I was going to say, like, I, before we got on the air, I typed you a message and I said, you know, I got to eat a sandwich. I'm freaking dying over here. I was telling people <laughs> at work, I can't afford this anymore. Like the higher, higher volume. Yeah. Um, the amount of food I have to eat is crazy. <laughs> and then when you need those calories, I mean, when you're hungry, you're hungry. So, you know, you, you end up I think eating. Uh, the term is hangry <laughs> with an A, hangry. <laughs> Hankering for some bacon. But you're, um, you end up eating stuff that you don't want to eat, but just for the pure calories, you know, yeah. uh, really low quality stuff because you just need the calories. I don't. You know, maybe, um, and it, and I know it's not just me because you hear these stories of people training, like you know, like Phelps and whatever, training you know nine thousand calories a day or whatever. And I'm guessing yeah. maybe I'm eating like five or six or something like that. But that's, that's a crazy. lot of food. And if you try to eat quality food, it gets really expensive. Super expensive. Yeah. I mean, even if you're fat adapted, you're just talking about a lot of energy expenditure and you just got to replace that. You can't yeah. just live off of like coconut oil. <laughs> no. And the thing is, is, um, with working out, you do burn a lot of carbs, you know? So you got to get, you got to get in way more carbs than the average person. The ratio is smaller, you mm-hmm. know, if, when you're piling on guacamole and coconut and all kinds of stuff like that. But, um, uh, but still, it's. I had to go to Burger King today and Ew. get a freaking burger because I was about to die. It felt like, <laughs> and then um, it sounds like maybe you could do a little bit better on your. Yeah, I know. And then after I ate a burger, I had to get a milkshake to pile on. Oh, top of that it. sounds so rough. Your life, man. Uh-huh. It sounds like someone's holding a gun to your head, practically. I had to. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so you had to, huh? Yeah, I had to. Um, uh, but man, oh, but I've learned, um, by adding in more salt in my fuel and in my water that I've quit craving salty foods, salty carbs, like potato chips and stuff. Interesting. Um, so if, if you do a big training block workout day or whatever, and later in the day you're craving carbs for the salt, um, and you can tell, you know, you want French fries or potato chips or something like that. Um, you probably ought to add more salt to your water and your fuel, and you'll notice that craving goes away in your next workout. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I don't necessarily crave, like, salty chips. I just like more salty-oriented foods over sweet foods for the most part when it comes yeah. to my cravings. Yeah. Maybe I'll look into that. Yeah, I'll sprinkle sea salt in my stuff, in, mm-hmm. my, um, in my water. And I got one of those, um, those carbonated water makers. What's it called? SodaStream? Oh, that's what I'm drinking right now. Yeah. <laughs> See, this is my uh, mason jar. This and is what to... This... Oh, crap. Are you go. there? Uh, I... We're back. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah, Soda Stream is the shiznit yeah. for sure. Yeah, so I'll put like a couple of teaspoons of sea salt in it. Really? And you get used to it, and it's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Oh my gosh, I don't know. Ben told me this thing on the uh, Sports Nutrition Podcast a couple of weeks ago about how he puts liquid chocolate stevia drops and mm-hmm. liquid peppermint extract drops. This is so Ben Greenfield, right? Yeah. Um, like a mad <laughs> chemist or something. So crazy. Into a soda stream for to make like a pseudo... Uh-huh. sugar-free soda sort of thing. So I was like, ooh, that sounds kind of good. So I bought both of them, and uh-huh. it's okay. I mean, I'm I'm not much of a soda person to begin with. Uh, yeah. It's a little bit of a taste that you're like, I don't know if I'm really that into it. But If you the- had invented it like Ben did, then you would think it tastes fantastic. That's the way it works. No, I, I want it to taste fantastic because if I can have something that is like sweet like that to just instead of just water, I'm yeah. all about it. But it's got a little bit of that like artificially taste to me, I think, in the stevia. Yeah, it does. Stevia doesn't – I love stevia, but it doesn't taste right. Yeah. Yeah. I used to eat it all the time. All right. You ready to move on to, to this hot topic, which I cannot get my mind around? So just like some people say they, they don't like the 70.3 being mixed in with the full Iron Man, uh-huh. I don't like this. There's something about it that I just don't like. And um, no matter how much people say it's totally fine, that Iron Man Maryland, Mar- Mar- Maryland. 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 <laughs> anyway, there's no pros racing in it. Stupid. And um, so... <laughs> The defense is, well, you know, they rescued it from another company that's going under. They're putting on a race as soon as they can or something like that. But I'm, I'm like, the, in the big picture, it makes pros look like an expendable commodity, you know? Like, well, we're not going to put them in this year. Well, then how important are they if, if you're just going to, you know, if you need to cut items to make a race happen, there's mm-hmm. other things you could cut. Why are you cutting the pros, you know? Totally. Yeah, this one kind of took me by surprise, actually. And I I don't know anything officially from anyone, but I do think that it might be an effort to... Because a lot of other people are arguing that the depth of the pro field in the Ironman races as they are right now is getting weaker and weaker, and it's just not as... You know, you see them in the championship events, Frankfurt, Melbourne, and over here in Texas. Um, well, actually, I guess Montrebant is... Wait, is it Texas this year, or is it Montrebant for the Ironman? Montrebant. The full Ironman. Montrebant. Um, you know, you get deep fields there, of course, because that's where the money and the points are at. But in the smaller races, and as more races get on the radar, you're just not seeing the fields as deep. Um, So I would assume that this is maybe an effort to just maybe like funnel all the pros into the Ironmans that really are of worth to the to WTC. Yeah, I don't know. I that's what one comment was. Oh, so this is cool. An age grouper is going to win. You know. A race, and I thought, well, no, they're not, because the whole. So you think like the whole reason that pro class, it's actually called open, right? Open elite. So that means you're racing against everybody, right? So like when I did the SOS triathlon, you register as age, and this is like um, if you do a a trail run, right? Like a Mm -hmm. an ultra run, you can race as either an age or you can race as 
as um as open. Yeah. You know? And um and so no an age group and the whole reason they created it is because if you just raise age group, we got some people that are pretty badass and you can't compare them. I mean you can versus their time, but they don't get any special recognition for winning right. the whole race. Somebody's gonna win that entire race and you don't get any special recognition for it. Nor you don't get your money back or anything. I was reading the slow twitch forum like you were too. I actually saw that you commented on it. Um but you know, like well, <laughs> Can we like pay the and even if they're not pros, should we give them you know at least their money back or something for winning the race? I mean, let's get creative here and. Well, now you're making them special though. Yeah, and, and that's what we're what, saying is no special people. No special treatment. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I, what do you think about my idea though? And I'm sure I'm not the only one who's had this idea about them trying to just keep the depth of the pro fields more legit at certain races. I think they're doing that anyways. I mean, you can already say, well, at this race, the there's... Point system. There's... Well, there's just... This race tends to attract, for whatever reason, a bigger pro field. Mm-hmm. And then this race doesn't. So, do you think it's a money issue of paying out the pros? Um, I don't know about that. Yes. <gasps> Controversy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. And that's, and that's the thing, right? I've learned over the years to not say something unless I, you know, that's outside of what I know. I don't know. Yeah, and you know, you know what? As I can tell you how things in- feel, though, and how things right? look. And that's why I said, I said, this looks bad. And the guy said, well, I don't think it's bad, whatever. And I said, I don't, on this thread that you saw, <laughs> and I said, well, that's, I didn't mean it is bad. I'm just saying it looks bad. You've got people that are pissed off and yelling about it, so it obviously looks bad. So you should have warned that you were going to do this or or something instead of or a better explanation. There's there was no real explanation. That's the problem, right, with the PR of the whole thing. That's what I was just going to say. So did Iron Man actually say why they decided not to have a pro field yet? If they They're did, going to they eventually. haven't done it well enough for two people that run triathlon podcasts to not know about it. Right, and I actually yeah. was trying to dig around before we got on the phone, and that's how I even stumbled upon a slow twitch forum, which I do not participate in on a regular basis, just <laughs> for the record. <laughs> Somebody said you were hot on slow twitch, by the way. Oh, well, maybe so I should maybe start looking should. at it more. Just kidding. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> You're like, uh, I agree with this subject. Thank you. Thumbs up. Genius. So there, I, I have it pulled up on my screen now, though, and you know, someone was like, Doing all people are like doing all these like mathematical equations of like how That's much slow twitch for you. It's mad. It's just all this crazy stuff on like you yeah. know if a pro's paying eight hundred dollars a year and there's nine hundred pros, what does that mean? And blah blah blah. And I don't is CEO Iron Man on slow twitch. Is that actually um, Andrew Messick? Yeah, or is I that mean that someone? is him. But um, I don't he know if that's said him on slow twitch. That yeah. all the pro fees are 100% spent. Well, okay, I can't, I don't want to. He said all of the pro fees are spent on anti doping. And oh, it's he's not. the one that said that? Yeah. Yeah. He said that is where all the money goes. And I, like I said, I don't follow Switches for him. So if that's, if CEO Iron Man is actually Andrew Messick or not, I don't know. But um, it's that's like. It's probably him, unless it's a troll. Alert. Yeah, that's. I'm I should register the name CEO and like spell like C E zero. Say all entry races for are free for the next five minutes. Everybody go sign up for everything. <laughs> and it's still, you know, that race is not any cheaper. If you want to think that you part of your registration fee goes toward the pro purse, uh-huh. um, I mean, I think it's still the same, like in the six hundreds. 
probably to sign up yeah. for. Well, somebody there's there's this one guy that I do not agree with. He comes across as a jerk to me, and he's like, I don't want pros ever in any of my races. They don't do anything for me, you know, that kind of attitude. For me? Yeah, and I'm like, and, and then somebody figured out, you know, it's either him or somebody else. $35 of my fee, you know, goes to the pros. I'd rather have my $35 back. And it, I'm like, please, 35 out of 600 and something? I mean, that's nothing. Please. Seriously, we are one of the few sports in which you can race right next to a professional, and that's the coolest thing ever. It's the coolest, and when you have a wave start that, and you're you're what, however the stars align, and you can actually see the pros coming in on the run as you're going out or whatever it may be. Like, how cool is that? I love that part of it. And pros are people that have it figured out. They figured out how to do this. They figured out how to do it fast. There are guinea pigs. So (laughs) there are people you can actually ask, you know, like, how do you, how are you doing this? Yeah. Because a lot of them are just average people. There's some, you know, that are genetically just freaks and gifted, but there's a whole lot of them that figured out how to do it and they were just average. And, and so it's so cool to like have them in your race, you know? Totally. Yeah. Totally. And there, you know, for the, my experience with all the pros that I've known and met over the years, they're very approachable. There's very few jerks out there. Um, you know, I don't know, like maybe on deeper levels that they can be jerky after a while, but for the most part, I have really <laughs> like, there's a long pause. And you're like, well, maybe they could be jerky. After, I don't know. I'm not after saying a little that. while. <laughs> yeah. After a little while, you're like, dude, what the hell? Um, but what, okay. So I have another question on this though. Are pros, can they enter as an age grouper if they wanted to at this race? No, they're prohibited for whenever so they're you're completely a pro. Banned from racing. <laughs> they're banned from racing. Lynch. That's what I'm saying. Like, say you're like, you're pro. You work your ass off. You live in the Maryland area, right? You're a pro. And you're like, holy crap, there's an Ironman right down my street. I can train for it. I can train on the course. I could win this thing. I could become a big name pro, right? Oh, by the way, there's no pros. I'd be pissed. Well, so that brings you the whole like idea of like uh, prize purses in these events. Because if, you know, if I were a pro, I'd be like, fine, I'll just go find a, you know, event like one of something in the challenge series that's going to have a legit prize purse and maybe be more bang for my buck or whatever, you know, screw you, Iron Man, if you're going to not let me race this race. But that said, I'm not a pro. I, have any pros responded to this news? Are they pissed off? Do they that's, even care? I found out about it by, uh, the God, he's not Polish. I don't think he might be, but he lives. He did really, really well in Ironman Texas a few years ago. So he stayed. I think he just never got on the plane to go back to, to Eastern <laughs> Europe. He found a host family, got a job coaching here, and just trains on the course like nonstop. Right? I, that's awesome. And that's the guy that I was that I was. Uh, I sent you the the link from. Um. Uh, so well, on Twitter, he was pissed. He's like, there's oh, no yeah, freaking yeah. pros. And um, so what if Ironman Texas, to him, turned into a non-pro race, right? They couldn't do that, though. I mean, that's because that's one of the races well, that not? has, like, they could. Obviously, yeah, right. You're and right. And he got a homestay. He set up his whole life. A lot of pros don't make a lot of money, you know, built yeah. around this race. And now there's no pros. Yeah, I I'm just know. saying it's not cool. Well, you're just, I, I'm, I'm wondering. they could have cut something else. It's a symbol of how much the pros mean to them. Why couldn't they cut something else if they're trying to cut corners or something? Mm-hmm. Unless mm-hmm. it's a thing where they're trying to concentrate the pro field. Maybe it'd be good if we got a public statement from Iron Man to clarify this. We demand Because one. it sounds like there's a lot of Brett and Tawny parts. need a public statement. 
And we're very important people. We need we need our answers so yes. we can then supply. I'm the sitting here on my son's beanbag, demanding <laughs> with soccer trophies answers. behind your head. There... Oh, look at that! <laughs> I didn't even see that. Oh, all these trophies I didn't notice. Oh right, where's your triathlon <laughs> ribbons or yeah. uh, medallions? They're all my son's soccer trophies. They're little soccer balls. <laughs> oh man. <sighs> They get a trophy for just waking up nowadays. So you got a bunch Everyone's of Everyone's treated He's woken equal. up a lot. There are no losers anymore, mm-hmm. right? No. Okay, so let's see. You came up with this really good story about Challenge Taiwan. Yeah, it sounded like the place to be over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Every time like I kind of caught wind on uh, – the Twitter land, I would see someone like Hillary Biscay or Belinda Granger or Maka or, yeah. you know, uh, Kate Bevilacqua or Guy Croft. I mean, they're all just living it up over there. I need to start doing some of these like international races because it sounds like the after parties. Yeah, all of it looks rad. The, the race venue, the after party, it all just seems legit. So how do people like us, like we, us, you, me, get to races this far away? How do we get sent how, so, is, how is ben doing this because he's oh. on a plane every five minutes every five minutes seriously I don't know. That's a good question. Well, what you need to do after you publish this podcast is um, conveniently send it to the right people, the right art race directors and people in charge of these events and be like, hint, hint, wink, wink. We have two no. really cool people that will cover your race for you. Okay. This is what we're saying right now. Brett and Tawny will cover your race if you get us there and your race is in a super cool place. It has to be in a super cool place. Now, have, you ever, <laughs> have you ever had an offer to go do a race? Um, yeah, because I, I kind of I've been doing a little bit of some stuff with uh, Maca's Maca X thing, and I, but no one's sending me you know pl- uh, plane tickets or right. I'm, know, I've gotten I've, I've done the SOS twice twice yeah just just twice but anyway um, with uh, um, you know free entry to go cover it you know yeah and that's an amazing race it's absolutely beautiful I jumped on that. And then um, the race in Georgia, I've, you know, I could get into it. I can't make it. And then a couple other – oh, I did one in Northern California in San Francisco, San Francisco in the Bay Area. Um, all they wanted me to – they're just fans of the show, you know, and they're part of the, yeah. race, the race team putting it together. And we're like, hey, we'll give you free entry if you come up here and, and check out the race. And a lot of times I have to say no, and sometimes I can't say yes, you know. And it's been great. But, yeah, we need the Brett and Tawny show in melbourne right word (laughs) i'm in and we cover it and um uh yeah we do like pre-race post-race like all kinds of cool stuff i mean that's essentially how i've gotten my butt to kona the last handful of years is obviously not my race quality uh (laughs) at this point (laughs) (laughs) i'm a good triathlete i'm not that great of a triathlete yet uh, but, you know, the ability to cover the race well and have fun with it, people are willing to support that. It's, yeah. it's, and you know, the thing that I've noticed in going to Kona is that it puts a lot of pressure on you. You don't just get those donations and be like, woohoo, free trip to Hawaii. You're like, oh man, now I'm working for the people. Like, yeah, yeah. They want, you know what I mean? Like, they have you expectations have to deliver. Sure. Yeah. So, but it's definitely worth it. I would prefer to do it that way to be able to travel and do races and report on them in that sense. It's fun. I think it's a market that we could crack open. 
because it's already they're already asking us to come kind of do it, but we're at the point right now where we have to f- we have to pay for our own travel. Yeah, right? that's the tough and part. So we need to we need to up the game here and tell we are willing to travel and come to your race even yeah. more so, but we need help getting there. It's like really it's really expensive. It's so really expensive. we got to sell ourselves to a, a, to all this nice talk we've been doing about Iron Man. They're sure to offer us. Oh yeah, yeah. They, they're like in love with us. <laughs> now I do. I love Challenge and um, uh, Rev Three as well. And yeah. uh, I'm dying for them to have a race in Texas. Like they don't have any in in my area. So, dude, um, Iron Man has a monopoly on Texas. It seems <laughs> they have yeah. so. How many like Iron Man events are there? Four. Oh, just just like yeah, four. Five? Four. Yeah, but Texas yeah. is so huge. I mean, it's like yeah. five states really. Oh. So Challenge Taiwan, um, it's interesting to look at their prize purse. They had for first place, they had a fifty thousand dollar or well euro prize pool. Sorry, Ooh. not dollar. That's big. That's big time. That's probably what do you think that is? Like is that that's like, like eighty, I, ninety thousand, or is it more than? I that? think it's less than that. I think it's like seven, low seventies, maybe. Yeah. Um. But, I mean, that's not like a, you know, it's not a championship race or anything like that. It's just right. one of their races. I know. And they had a 70.3 go on at the same time, I think. I don't know if it's yeah, the they same did. day. Because Macca did the 70.3. I think it was different oh, days. He did the relay one day and then and then the full 70.3 the next day. Awesome. So I couldn't find results uh, outside of the top five from firstoffthebike.com, which I love their site and I love Phil. He's a great guy. Um, but the, definitely to me, the coolest thing that came out of that race was Belinda Granger, who mm. I've definitely had the pleasure of meeting. And she is just one of the most charismatic, awesome people you'll ever meet in your life. And how she has the energy she does, I don't know, being that she's <laughs> such a badass triathlete. Yeah. Um, but it was her 50th Ironman. Yeah. And she podiumed. She got third. See, I think if you train right and you um, don't exhaust yourself, then you can you can be really fast like this for a long, long time. You know. I agree. I mean, but she lives it though. You know, I don't think she she maybe coaches. I don't know, but body ten times better than I will. She's got abs that like make you want to do laundry. You're like, I need to. I need to wash my clothes on those. And she, oh man, she just carries herself so damn well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, fifty Ironmans. The funny thing is, is Hillary still has her beat with how many Ironmans she's done. Sixty-two or sixty-three. Something crazy. <laughs> I don't even. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was great. I mean, it sounds like it, there was quite a battle. I was reading a little bit about it, and Belinda, she didn't have. She's a great swimmer, but she didn't have that great of a swim and had to play catch up on the bike, which mm. she was saying actually kind of worked to her advantage because. Here she is in her mind being like, all right, bad swim. Um, I can't get complacent and just go with the flow. I got to get back into the mix of things. And ended up biking him down and running him down and got on that podium. Bam. Bam. Love it. Um, I was listening to you. um, I think you were talking to uh, Lucho. Yeah. And he said something really profound. And then your response was word. Yeah. <laughs> like that. It made me laugh so hard. Yeah, we get pretty technical with things sometimes <laughs> on our show. It was like this long sentence, like this really insightful thing and you just you just went, word like that. Well, Lucha will say himself that, you know, the way a lot of our shows go, 
especially on his end, he'll just sort of ramble. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Tell me if you're like this as a coach. When you're trying to figure out the answer to whatever you're this not necessarily a problem but just like an issue you go through like this cycle and your head your brain just kind of works like you kind of go through the process of figuring it out yeah well for us that translates into just being extremely garrulous on the show just yeah there should be a drinking game every time he says depends (laughs) oh we've definitely gotten comments on the drinking game for it depends, and when the issue of anything math related comes up, yeah, math, math, math depends, math intervals. Well, I don't know. Was it two weeks ago? We recorded later in the afternoon, uh, and he just was like, "Screw it, I'm opening a beer." <laughs> He's like drinking a beer while we're recording. Yeah, might as well. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay, so let's see. We have. Uh, well, I guess that pretty much wraps it up because we talked about Barcelona already, and that's all I've got. Yeah. So there's an Iron Man, Barcelona, and that sounds really nice. I did my, you know, my first Your European camp. trip to Spain. That is awesome out there for uh, for cycling. So so thumbs up it. to going out to do that race. It's oh, worth the trip. Totally, yeah. the The motorists around Spain are super super friendly. Nice. They'll cheer you on. I, it, uh, John Hirsch was saying, okay, now listen. If somebody leans out their car and starts yelling at you. They're not angry. They're actually cheering you on. Yeah, that's see, that's yeah. the opposite in America. Yeah, they they're yelling a lot of times. Animal, they go animal. Like oh, that. really? Yeah, and it happened to me when I was climbing. That's up the cool. Mountain. Yeah, somebody leaned out. A lady leaned out of her car and goes animal like that. I was like, <laughs> it, you know, I flinched at first. I was like, holy crap! And then I was like, oh yeah, they're cheering. Nice. Yeah, yeah nice. that's a nice place. Cool. I, I, you know, it's kind of on my radar, but again, it goes back to that little thing called money and expenses of travel. Yes. So, so. Iron Man, Barcelona, listen, we're ready. We can cover your, we can cover your race. We can do it. We can do it. <laughs> don't, don't get a couple, don't tell a couple of super motivated type A triathletes they can't do something because we'll figure right. it out. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Awesome. All, All right. right, man. We got a bail. Yeah, that was awesome. Thanks for bringing me on. Kind of just. All right. We'll do it again. I want to, I want to rotate people in and out if I can, you know, to make it like really interesting. Um, well, bring me on anytime. You know, yeah. I've, uh, normally I do my triathlon show with Brad Culp of Lava Magazine, but he's a busy boy these days and it's mm-hmm. really hard to nail uh, a time down with him. So, and I miss having all the triathlon news geek out side of stuff. Um, so if you, I'm always open to talk about it. And okay. I'll definitely send our Endurance Planet folks over to listen to this episode. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, a new segment is, um, there's not enough of it in triathlon. There, uh, I agree. There's, uh, you know, there's like that guy out training in Texas all the time, you know. And, <laughs> and then stuff like it, you know. So news well, is and- on the race into things, if you ever really want to dive deep into results and splits and talk about pros and their history of how they've raced before, I have a lot of good knowledge in that. Uh, oh, you do? Because I follow oh, that yeah. kind of stuff. The last few years, I've even written the previews for 70.3 Worlds in Vegas and Ironman uh, really? World Yeah. And I to- like, I've actually created spreadsheets of going through – a lot of the top pros because we'll choose like 10 guys and 10 girls 
um, to preview. And usually, obviously, you, mm-hmm. some of them are going to end up on the podium or have been on the podium. And I've gone through and like literally compiled like a whole bunch of stats for them on previous years of racing, like how many Ironman wins they have, like mm-hmm. their career highlights, like interesting facts on where they came from or injury stuff. So, so who's I, the newest? Who who should we be watching this year that you think is up and coming based on trending from the past? Definitely the guys and gals from the ITU that are making the leap into 70.3 racing. Oh, that guy that won Oceanside. Jan. Yeah. Well, Jan Ferdino, dude, he, I mean, <laughs> I saw crap. that. <laughs> I saw that live and it was a beautiful thing to watch someone yeah. execute a race like that. There is something like watching sports where somebody is just so good. You're just, you know, you're watching something really special right now. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, but, you know, it's a run in those sense. Like, those guys are 70.3. They're now training for them, like, Olympics on a lot of levels. And so the ITU guys are having this really good time of making that leap and doing well. Or even look at someone like Liz Blatchford, who mm-hmm. did so well at Ironman last year, coming from ITU background. And haven't you totally noticed the trend, like, with Jacobs, Pete Jacobs, and yeah. other people where they'll win something big? And then flop. And then flop hard. And then they'll come back in a couple of years and do start doing great again. And they'll say, that year after I won big, the media frenzy just ruined my, uh, ruined my training. There's so many commitments from winning, uh, sponsor appearances and things like that, mm-hmm. that it wrecks their training. And they're like, well, I won last year, so I'm pretty good. So maybe I don't need to train. They, they make sacrifices for the, tough, for the media for sure. and the money. And then, and then um, they have bad results for a while while they try yeah, to catch back up. Makes you respect someone like Chrissy and people that can do it consecutively yeah. knowing that side of it. Because I can't even imagine the mental side and the obligations you have after winning a world championship event and still training 20 plus hours a week at yeah. that level. Yeah. Really? <laughs> and, so, you know, a lot of them have families and yeah, yeah so it's crazy. But no, um, geeking out on the speedy pros out there is definitely a favorite pastime of mine <laughs> you, people can't see this but you're rubbing your hands together and looking off into oh, the distance yes. <laughs> like a mad scientist you're plotting you're like yes i love these numbers <laughs> so okay then we'll do it cool all right well all thanks right. for having me on and talk to you later all have right. a good rest of the show bye all right thanks tawny and like she was saying uh she'd love to be on the show again i'm definitely up for that she's super cool to do an interview with and also um, also just a lot of fun to talk with. And uh, I forgot to mention at the beginning of the show, you can, it's a beautiful day down here in Texas. It's starting to heat up and I'm in a parking lot outside of Freebirds just uh, hanging out. Uh, Freebirds Burrito Shop. I just had my part of my lunch and um, I wrap it up in foil and take it with me and snack on the rest of it over the rest of the afternoon. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's got it's got lots of greens and bean, greens and beans inside and guacamole and good stuff. All right, let's see. We've got well, I was about to say sponsors, but no, let's do um let's do Kai's coaching for kids and grown-ups. Cuz a lot of his stuff he says is actually useful for adults. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I recorded this on the way back home. Well, actually on the way back to my office after we at lunch we swung by the uh, bike shop. And he put his $85 down on his um, on his specialized mountain bike that he's saving up for and putting it on the way. It's really, really cute and really cool. So let's get started with Kai. Here we go. Yeah. 
Alright, I'm here with uh, Coach Kai. How's it going? Good. <laughs> You're a man of few words, huh? Yep. <laughs> Alright, we are driving back from the bike shop and Kai has put down money from his coaching donations and his uh, lemonade stand, which actually made quite a bit of money, which is a pretty smart idea, um, down on his bike. And how much have you put down so far? $85 and zero cents. And zero cents? That's not actually <laughs> So, all right. So Kai's going to teach us a little bit about open water swimming for kids. And also, how does it feel to almost own a really cool brand new mountain bike? Um, it feels very fast. You feel fast? What do you mean fast? I don't know. So, <laughs> so what color did you pick out? Black and red. It had a little bit of white in it too, right? Yeah, a little tiny bit. Yeah. And let's see, and $85, what did it feel like to hand over $85 in cash? Nervous. Nervous? Nervous. Like you're giving away part of your body or something, right? Yeah. Now they have it. Mm-hmm. Just like the serial killer. What? Take part of your money away or something, and then you barely have any left. A serial killer? Yeah. Now this podcast is getting good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <Woo! laughs> All right. <laughs> just when you thought this might not get interesting, it just did. Okay, so... Thank you, everybody, that's helping out Kai. And if you feel like the coaching advice that he's about to give has helped you in any bit, um, you can help Kai out. We'll tell you how afterwards. Okay, so we're going to talk about... Open water swimming. Open water swimming. So, Kai, how many times have you swam open water? About... Wait, are you counting about in training? In training, too, yeah. With your team. About 20 times. So... You're a member of Trinity Multisport, and you've been racing about three years. I know you've done at least one race that was open water in Galveston Bay. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that was pretty intense. Yeah. And um, But you've also trained a lot. The team will go to Lake Bryan and swim um, out in the, in the lake as a team. I mean, it's pretty crazy, right? Yep. And then you'll trail run on the mountain bike trails and stuff? Oh, my gosh. It's so fun. Okay, so so when you think about like both the training and the racing, what are some things that if you were taking a new friend with you that wasn't, uh, let's say, think of a friend that you would want to go with you that you think could do it, but has never been. Who? What's his name or her name? Grant. Grant never did open water swimming? Nope. Okay, Grant's really athletic, right? Yeah. Okay, so if you were going to tell Grant what to do, what would you say? Don't drown. <laughs> no, that's something I would say. <laughs> okay, and? I don't have anything else to say. Yeah, you do. So, do you swim? How do you see where you're going? Well, if the water's clear, you can always, like, kind of look through the water. Yeah? Do you and... follow the bubbles of the person in front of you? No? No? Oh, what do you do? Sometimes you can 
like when you're when you breathe, mm-hmm. you can just like look forward, uh-huh. and then you can see where you're going sometimes. So while you when you're breathing, you lift your head up and look forward. Uh huh. Okay. What if, what if it's the water's really dark and scary? You don't be nervous. Yeah. Well, you can be a little. It's yeah. okay to be somewhat nervous, right? Yeah. It's normal. Yeah, but they would not have a race if there were, like, big monsters in the water. Ah, I never thought about it like that. Okay. And, and, and if it's still... What if you can't touch the bottom? Well, now what? What do I do? I can't touch the bottom. Kai, I'm Grant. I'm scared. Don't drown. <laughs> I don't think that's gonna... I don't think that's helping anybody right now. It's helping me. Oh. <laughs> okay. So, you don't need to touch the bottom to swim. Oh. Um, what about... You could just swim over to, like, a, a an adult, right? Or somebody in a canoe? Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's not really that big of a deal, right? What about the water being cold? Has it ever been cold? A lot of times, yes. Yes, it has. Okay. So then, um, then what? What do you do when it's cold? Relax. Yeah? Yeah. Do you just pee in the water and let the water get all warm around you? Yeah. That actually sounds like a really good idea. I'm not the first person to think of that, and I'm just letting you know. All right. And then... But you're so young, like, you guys don't wear wetsuits. You just swim, right? No. So it can't be that cold, right? No. All right, so when you go into the water, how do you get into the water first? Do you run in or do you carefully walk in? I'd carefully walk in if it was out, if it was, um, like, at a, if it was, um, open water swimming. Yeah. Now, what if there's waves? What do you do then? Don't drown? <laughs> no, don't let the water splash you in the face. Oh, do you know how to breathe on, on either side? Yeah. You do? Yeah. So you could breathe on the other side? Yeah. Okay. And then, what about if you can't see where you're supposed to go at all? Well, then what do you do? You can just... I would just follow the people... Yeah, people. I'd just follow the people in front of you. Yeah, or not where their feet are, like, if they're really close to you. Yeah. And then, what do you do if... I'm trying to think of things that, like, could go wrong and then what what you could do. Um, oh, when you're about to finish the swim, what do you do? You got to get to your bike. Like, tell me, like, when you did the Galveston race, the chemo race, where you, mm-hmm. you came out of the bay, Right? What was that like? Like step by step. Step by step. What do you mean? Well, first you did what? And then you did what? First you got out of the water. Yeah. Then you had to run to your bike. Then you go into the transition area. Uh Then you get all ready for the bike. Then you go off on your bike. Yeah. Boosh. (laughs) And then boosh. That's one of the steps? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I like that, dude. There's really... So, 
basically from this interview with you where I'm kind of discovering there's really not that much to it that's special that you should just do it, right? Mm-hmm. There's no like magical there's no magical like unicorns or anything. Yeah, there's no super swimming unicorns. It's just sw- learn how to swim. Yeah. And it's not that bad. So, Kai, you want to hear my scariest swim? Yeah. Um, one time I was doing a swim and it was foggy and I couldn't see anything. I didn't know which way to go. Okay. And that was really scary. So, you know what I did? What? I figured that I would eventually just run in the land somewhere. So, I just kept swimming. Okay. And then another time, and then eventually I did. I found some other people and we all swam together and we were fine. And then another time I was swimming and a lightning storm came in after we started the race. It was a it was a half Ironman, so we were out in the water a little bit. All of a sudden, the lightning started striking. Uh, were you in the water? Yeah. I thought it was a camera flashing, but it was lightning. What do you think about that? That's weird. All right. So, are we done? Yeah. You excited about your bike? Your mind seems to be somewhere else. Are you hungry or something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought so. All right. Or I'm really thirsty. All right. Well, here comes Jesse. <laughs> Kai locked the door. All right. I'll be right back, Bing. All right. I'm back. We're back. I uh, dropped, uh, let's see, dropped Kai off. And um, now it's just me in the car. So we'll wrap up Kai's coaching real quick. So he... Um, Next episode, he's going to do uh, biking for kids and adults too on the um, on the uh, triathlon course and how to train uh, your kid for their first triathlon, uh, the bike portion. And then an episode after that, we'll do a run portion. It'll be fun, man. So Kai uh, got a couple more donations in, um, and somebody said we'll read the donations off in a little bit. But somebody said that they. F- they felt like, even though it was for uh, kids, that it actually helped him a lot in his adult triathlon. So that was pretty cool. And uh, yeah, so so what we're doing is we're saving up for Kai's mountain bike. We're close to being there, um, more than halfway. And it's a specialized um, kids 26, no, 24-inch mountain bike. And... Um, it ends up that after taxes, it's $385. So um, the guys at the shop said they get no complaints from it whatsoever, that it's a really great um, off-road bike. And the plan is for Kai to, well, we're already doing this with a BMX bike that's kind of falling apart is um, and has no gearing, so Kai has to end up walking this. Kai, I go trail running, and then Kai goes with me, and we have father-son time and family time. Emily will go too sometimes. And we have family time. Uh, while uh, I I run, Kai uh, goes ahead or follows behind on his uh, bike off road. So he's getting that mountain biking, and um, he hits a hill and he can't climb up it because he runs out of gears because he's only got one and he has to end up pushing this bike up the hill. And um, he's got a little kid's road bike um, that has gearing on it. So he's like, "Man, I need gears," and I'm like, "Well, you know, they have mountain bikes like that. And you got to earn it." And uh, you can do it, get it. And um, I said, uh, you know, you know stuff about training that is really useful. So why don't you use the internet and uh, we'll put you out there and you start coaching people. 
and see if you can uh, raise money this way for your uh, bike. And uh, yeah, it's working out, man. So we're, he's nine years old and he's got his first job, man. How about that? Huh? He's an amazing kid. So let's see, we got that. Um, if you want to support Kai and his coaching, <laughs> Kai's co- coaching for kids. <laughs> then, <laughs> sorry, sorry, laughing. It's so adorable that um, you can go on the left side of the uh, pod of the podcast uh, uh, website, zentriathlon.com. There's uh, donate uh, to support the show, and if you say it's for Kai, or or if you don't say actually, and it's a one time donation, I'm just giving it to Kai anyways. I got one donation where it just didn't say anything, and so um, I'm giving that to Kai because I'm just figuring it's probably for him anyway. Um, anyway, it's PayPal. And um, you can set up a recurring donation, which we'll talk about in a, in a little bit here. So anyway, thanks everybody for helping out with uh, Kai's coaching for kids. And he's he's getting better every episode. You can see him uh, come into life. And my long-term plan is to have him as a co-host on this show years from now. Um, and keep, this, keep Zen and the Art of Triathlon going forever with him. How about that as a plan? All right, I'm going to go and grab a burrito out. Bang. All right, we are back to the Freebirds parking lot <laughs> with the birds, the grackles. And let's get going here with some uh, sponsor notes and donations. Let's do donations first. So we have uh, the ability for you to help support the show on a recurring basis. You can go to zentrathlon.com, and on the left-hand side, there is a link, a PayPal link, support the show. And for less than 4 bucks a month, which is about a dollar an episode, you can uh, help keep this show alive. Uh, it definitely pays for the bandwidth costs, all the other associated costs with the show. I just, uh, that money goes into a PayPal account. And um, what did I just, I had to reorder a part and I uh, used the money out of that PayPal account to buy that part. What was that? Oh, God, it seems like all kinds of stuff right now. And I just bought. Um, uh, electrolyte pills and uh, sunscreen specifically for the uh, Ironman Texas race. The stuff I'm going to be carrying during the race. It's a really small applicator of sunscreen, like travel size, really small. And I carry that with me on the bike. And about halfway through the bike ride, I start putting on more sunscreen. So, and I pay for that out of the PayPal account that you guys uh, dump money into. <laughs> Thank God, <laughs> Emily would kill me if I if I didn't have money to pay for this stuff. And uh, let's see. Recurring donations, uh, Elizabeth Davis, Jonathan Woodman, Paul White, Weston Tanner, Todd Nelson, Matthew Heinz. What's up, Matthew? Jason Drury. And again, those are uh, one-time don- or, uh, recurring donations, which really help out. And you can do also a one-time donation as well. And if you do that, you can actually find a way to uh, drop me a note. And Jason Drury actually did both a recurring and a one-time. Thanks a lot, man. And his note said, I would like to donate this to Kai's Bike Fund. I just listened to the episode where he does Kai's tips, and I actually found it useful for myself since I will be doing my first sprint try in a few months. He sounds like a great kid. Hope you get your bike soon. Kai. Cool. I'm going to read that to him. He loves this stuff. And uh, Christopher Tynes and Tim Townsend. I sent Tim the uh, picture, uh, personally sent him the picture of Kai uh, buying the, putting the money down and the guy on the other side of the counter counting up the $85. It's a really cool picture. And um, this, this is really teaching Kai, one, you can get the things you want if you work hard, and two, save up 
to get the things that you work hard. He's saying things on a regular basis. Like, he'll, we'll be watching TV and it'll be a commercial. And he's like, well, that's a cool action figure. I'm like, oh, you think that's cool? And he's like, yeah, but I don't want it now. I want my bike. So I'm saving up for my bike. Like, he's saying these things himself. Um, so it's working. It's really working. We're, we're teaching an American citizen <laughs> to save their money <laughs> and buy things when they actually have the money instead of going into debt and using credit. So... We're doing. We as a society are doing a good job with this one. With this one citizen. Okay. Let's see. I think we have um, uh, big sponsors. Uh, Hornet Juice. You can get Hornet Juice as a protein powder that uh, helps you metabolize body fat. I think that's on the right side of Zentrathlon.com. And uh, those those purchases, I send you a, a, a personalized email and I ask you, you know, how you're doing, wherever you are that you're living. I love doing that. And if you, if you get some Hornet juice and then, um, let's see, we've got Sunto and Amrita bar. Make sure to go check out Amrita health bars. I eat their bars like crazy. When you need an energy bar, these are the ones that you want. Uh, they are just fantastic. Discount code Zen when you go check out. And then, let's see. Oh man, there's just so many people that help out with the uh, with the show. Oh, we have the um, the Mountain Madness half going on in Georgia. Go check them out. All five. Where is it? AllFiveSports.com. I lost my internet connection, so now I can't look it up. I'm sorry. And then, yeah, I think that's uh, Sunto. Gosh, you know they're coming out with a new watch soon. It's going to be killer. And uh, all my training, all, all everything I do is with the uh, Sunto Ambit. And um, just absolutely love the watch. It's super, super cool. And we'll be using the hell out of it. Oh, my, um, my Galveston race, um, the, the entire workout is available as a one Sunto file. It's pretty freaking cool. All right. Let's go ahead and um, get on with the rest of the show. The training log is plenty long. Uh, like I said, there's uh, tons of nutrition and training tips and experimenting with different things. Um, oh, I talk, the whole reason this show is called The Natural is uh, during this episode, I start putting into effect of, of learning your natural form and your natural cadence and relearning that and then using that as your, um, as your easy workout. Uh, just go with what feels natural. Quit trying to mess with everything. And then the more you go natural, um, that's actually the top end of your fat burning zone. And... Um, the more you do it, the better you get at fat burning and the, um, the uh, more fuel efficient you get and actually the faster you get at what feels like natural to you. So train like a natural. Go at a natural pace. And I've started putting that into uh, the people I coach, into their, into their, um, into their workouts. You know, it's like an easy uh, two-hour bike ride. Go at your natural, what feels like your natural pace, at your natural cadence. And, um, but at the top end of that. You know, like quality. Think quality, and um, but natural, natural but quality. Um, anyway, that's all in this in this training log. You're really gonna dig it. And again, like my, I said, my, my bike seems to explode all over the place. Uh, my gear is coming apart as I'm putting in just crazy freaking mileage for uh, Ironman Texas. Let's go ahead and get started with the training log. Here we go. You are entering the Zentrite training log zone. Kuneli. Hi everybody, my name is Brett, I'm a triathlete. I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey, 
We all make mistakes. Come on, dudes, let's go exercise! Exercise! Yeah! I'm gonna do sit-ups till I poop myself! All right, I don't know if people can hear us, but we're at Kai's Mud Run. How's it going, babe? It's going good. Proud of your son today? I'm very proud. I'm always proud of him. Kai went... He's standing next to the coach right now. Kai went biking while I ran this morning, and then we went swimming, and then he played a soccer game. Drug a dead snake around. <laughs> Again, you yeah, there is a dead snake. Bikes. This fun run is going to be pretty Walk cool, so I'm going to try to. I'm going to try to capture someone on audio. So it's really loud right now because it's windy and we're um, we're at the uh, start line. So we'll see. There we go. Okay, they said they're going to start in 20 seconds and uh, 10 seconds, and it's a big cannon. So y'all hold on. It's combat themed. I made my ears ring. And here they go. Go, go, go. Go, Louie! <laughs> They're being led by a gas-powered... What is that called? Golf cart. It's a gas-powered golf cart, a mule. And there's adults in it too. That's why I was yelling at Louie. He's the uh, kids' triathlon coach. I'm making my way over to the slide, man. I think that's the best place. All right, that was interesting. That was <laughs> Kai's mud run. It was one mile. Uh, I'm back at the house. It's now Sunday, and I just wrapped up a, a four hour ride. It's my longest ride so far and uh, of the year. And. A uh, couple little tips. Well, first off, I saw a couple people, you know, randoneering or no, they were they were riding across the country, um, and they were coming from Fort Lauderdale, and uh, I asked them. I, I slowed down, scared the crap out of them when I passed them. <laughs> They're loaded down with gear and stuff. It looked like it was a husband and wife. Microwave, eggs. You can scramble eggs in the microwave. I put in uh, guacamole with them and stir them up two eggs. Let's try 30 seconds. And uh, I've already had them in for 40 seconds. And um, a little bit of sriracha sauce. And usually I put in like pico. Oh, Emily got salsa. But um, they weren't wearing helmets. And, um, you know, I didn't bother messing with them and telling them that they were crazy, that they should wear helmets. I guess they know that. But um, bike crashes where you fall over and hit your head, you don't need another car. We're out in some country road out in the middle of nowhere. Bike crashes where you really smack your head into the pavement um, happen totally when you don't think they're going to happen. Where's the salsa, Emily? She said she got some. Where is it? I need carbs. Salsa is like the best form of carbs. Here's some. Mild. Okay, well, I guess we're going to have to put in some sriracha. And um, I was telling some girls at work Friday about how many times, I don't know why I was talking about it, about how many times I've fallen down and hit my head on the pavement. And uh, they were kind of laughing, and they go, they said, what do you, suck or something, basically? And I go, no, I ride a lot. 
and it's going to happen, you know. And um, wet pavement in a turn, especially on a road you've never been on, you don't know what's there. And I said, whenever you fall over, you smack your head hard into the pavement. And um, that sucks. Really sucks. And uh, the younger girl said, I would have laughed at you if I'd seen that. And I said, no, you would have, like, freaked out because it is really scary when you see somebody wreck hard on a bike. But what was really funny is I wasn't even going all that fast. So you never know when it's going to happen. Oh, these scrambled eggs with guacamole in it. Stir them around, put them back in the microwave. They look like they need about another 15 seconds. I hope this isn't messing with the recording. Time cook, one, five. Start. Anyway, um, if I run this afternoon, this will be my longest training week. I think it might already be um, this spring. So I'm going to hit it like... 22 and a half hours this week and um, this ride was not a um, you know like crazy ride going like bat out of hell and trying to be all fast it was more of like a, a moderate pace a little bit faster than Ironman pace because Ironman's really holding back um, and it, it was a four hour ride on purpose yeah, these eggs are done. Oh, y'all look beautiful. And um, what did I do? Oh, here's my salsa. Hold on, I'm going to open this up. Let's see if it pops like a vacuum. Oh, I'm so weak. Ironmen are weak. <laughs> oh. There it goes. Hold on. I'm just, I'm just going to pour it right out of the jar into this thing. Make a mess. Emily's going to be mad. Mm. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, you make such a mess. Yeah, baby, but I'm your mess. <laughs> anyway, the uh, so the ride is more of a test of nutrition. How long can you go without fading? And if you do start to fade, what do you do to fix it? So I get smarter every year. And so this ride, as I started to kind of fade on energy a little bit, it's like you pick up tips, you know, kind of here and there. Lucho on Endurance Planet, I think was the latest one, said something that rang with me. And it's, um, you don't want an empty stomach. Empty stomach's bad. Right, so if your stomach starts feeling empty, put something in it. But what what should you put in it? You know, um, Jesse Kropelnicki, lots of calories. All right, uh, Ben Greenfield, not too many calories. <laughs> um, Brett Blankner, me, Coach Brett, dilute those calories with water because you need to be drinking tons of water way more water than you think and if you don't drink enough water those calories aren't going to digest and all those calories you ate are going to make you feel sick to your stomach that's a problem i have so i had a mix of maltodextrin powder and honey and a little tiny little bit of sea salt in it and after a while i started feeling low 
I didn't want to drink any more of that. That's simple sugar and simple starches. So I busted out both an Amarito bar and a Cliff bar. And I kind of alternated between the two because they taste different. And they've got fat calories in them, a little bit of protein. So you get in way more calories um, per bite. And different flavors. And then um, after a little while, I started feeling really good again. So there's that. And um, a training tip for you. Um, what makes you faster is to do just a little bit below threshold. Threshold is you know, kind of what gives you a burning feeling in your legs. And the more you go, oh, i got to talk about that. The more you go, the, uh, the better you get at feeling kind of what threshold is. So um, you're out on a ride or on a run. A really smart way to train is use the hills to get just a little bit below threshold, a little bit at threshold, a little bit above threshold, and then use the downhills and the flats or whatever you want to back off the speed because you're going to go faster anyway because it's flatter downhill. Back off the speed and recover and cruise along at your easy speed. And then the next hill, you know, you kind of get near threshold, above threshold. And you don't do it all the time, but you just do it enough. And it's that at threshold stuff that makes you faster. Uh, it stimulates muscle growth. If you don't ever do it, you'll, you're kind of wasting your time out there. Um, if you, or you could be much more uh, using your time. If you do it too much, well, then you blow up. So you learn over time how to do just the right amount so that um, it's kind of like a weight workout. It kind of stimulates a little bit of growth. And um, you can stop at any time. You don't have to do it every hill. You know, once you feel like you've got a good workout from it, then, uh, then you kind of hold back. Okay, so the other thing is I've been doing a lot more volume lately, and I've noticed the nuances. I think I've talked about this last episode. Of doing a lot more volume, you're spending so much more time doing the sport that you, you become more of an expert at what's going on, right? So... People are like, well, I'll do, um, I'll do intervals and I'll do, you know, minimalist training. Um, well, that's good if you are a world-class expert at nutrition <laughs> for long-distance racing already and you don't need to work on that. Chances are you're not. I mean, some of the best pros, all of the best pros screw up nutrition every once in a while. Um, a lot of them do it frequently and... You, uh, when you go long, you learn more about what you can eat, about um, how hard you can go up a hill. I mean, you just do it over and over and over and over again. So let's say you do it 10 times. Well, how much better would you be at it if you did it 100 times? And um, every time you climb a hill, every time you try to catch somebody every time you go out for another workout and you learn more and more about pacing yourself and how to how much to hold back what's what you know what actually works is and so it's time on your feet time in the saddle time in the pool oh i went swimming yesterday at a pool neighborhood pool it was so freaking cold i had to go bundle up and lay in a bed uh i was wearing a jacket and a beanie hat <laughs> under a comforter in a bed here in texas it was like 80 degrees outside i was trying to warm back up this pool was not heated and it's still cold um anyway uh the um the more you do this stuff 
the better you get at what actually works and learning your own body and when to um, hold back and when to push forward and and um, what your own abilities are. You come to term with what your own abilities are. And what's crazy is the more you come to, this is your Zen moment here, the more you come to term terms with your own abilities, well, then you do it. You hold back. Let's say you know that you're really a 200-watt cyclist and not a 210 or a 220. With enough riding and enough riding and enough riding and an example over and over again of it being shoved in your face that you are not a 220-watt rider, you're a 200-watt rider, or whatever nutrition, you know, what, you know, whatever the thing is, run form, whatever, then uh, you, you do it smarter, you do it right from the beginning, and then because you have more energy and reserves and you haven't tapped yourself out, you can actually go longer faster. How about that? All right, that's it for now. I got to eat. Out. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> I got a lot of crap to do right now. Uh, but quick, uh, the past couple days, it's now a Wednesday morning, the past couple days I felt a little bit overtrained. So I uh, scaled way, way back. And I like uh, Phil Maffetone saying that in his experience, all the athletes that he's ever trained, about 60% of them are overtrained. They've done too much. And so I'm running this morning. Well, I biked last night, easy. Ran this morning, really easy, ran. And the, um, so I'm running really, really slow. And then what I noticed is more than heart rate, there's a feeling and a carbohydrate consumption that can tell you if you're in the fat burning zone. And so my bike ride last night, I biked for an hour and 10 minutes, I think. Beautiful ride on the Iron Baby course. And I posted a picture of that. And I hardly needed any fuel at all. Just drank water. I had like a couple of sips of a gel flask. And that was about it. And then um, my run this morning, I took Kona running with me. And he had to pee on everything, it seemed like. And same experience. Uh, Just nice, easy jog. And then um, barely had to eat any fuel at all because I was going... Uh, nice and slow and then what happens is is after a little bit the energy starts pouring on because your body's metabolizing fat and it's happy and uh, just felt really 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 nice so anyway I'm late I gotta go in out bing oh my god things just got crazy around here (laughs) so uh, I mentioned that I wasn't it's now a day later and I'm on my way to work I mentioned that uh, I wasn't feeling all that hot and I don't know if I was am uh, sick, underfueled, undercarbed, you know, whatever. I'm not, I don't know what it is. So I'm not going to question it too much. So I'm, uh, and my legs are sore. So I'm like, well, no training for a while, which is, you know, emotionally like, duh, you know, a couple of days, you got to fight that feeling of, of, uh, oh my gosh, you know, I got an Ironman coming up and I'm not training. Oh, uh, if you're sore, your body's actually working to make you stronger anyway that's what that soreness is it's your body rebuilding and there's no point really working out that much um and then now you know started overeating a little bit and then eating crappy food which makes which leads to the whole thing well maybe i I wasn't eating enough carbs and um you know so that's why i didn't have enough energy and kind of felt under the weather it's complicated so you don't really know 
And then two other things happened. <laughs> well, one, I got an email a while back, uh, I don't know, a few days ago, saying that uh, Mevio was going, not really going under, but not going to host podcast stuff, right? So I moved, I uploaded the next show to SoundCloud. Wait, hold on, school zone, I got to pause. Okay, I'm back. I moved, uh, I uploaded my latest episode to soundcloud.com. You know, create an account, uploaded it, and I like it. I like SoundCloud a lot. It's got this really cool embeddable player that's pretty. Um, even though it's going to cost a lot more money, it's it seems nice. And I, I went immediately from a free account to a uh, uh, expert account or whatever the next level up was and then realized, um, man, I'm going to have to do a pro account. So I'm at their top level account because of the size of a podcast and the amount of downloads that y'all do. So, um, there's that, right? Which is change. So it's a little stressful. And, um, you know, cause I worry about my, my hour sh- show, uh, being uploaded and, and working right and all that other stuff. And, um, so I'm not feeling good. I got to get this, this, you know, this, this change and make sure that it all works. It did work. Um, well, I couldn't find, once I uploaded a file, it played on their, on their page just fine and embeds just fine, but there was no actual MP3 link, um, a file. And so I, uh, uh, I linked to the, if you try to download it, it, it's, uh, it takes you to a page and, uh, starts downloading kind of like it's a file, even though it's not a true file, it was just a folder and so I put that in the iTunes uh, feed. I was like, I guess this is the file. And it worked. It started working for um, a day. Everybody was getting the show downloaded like uh, 1,600 times to people. Um, I was getting it on my phone and on my laptop. Everything seemed to work, right? And then all of a sudden, overnight last night, well, kind of medium late evening last night as I'm not working out and I'm just kind of like feeling like crap and I'm watching... Um, Oh, can't remember the uh, workaholics, which is freaking funny, and um, and sitting around and thinking about what to do next and how to feel better. Um, I start getting all these tweets that the podcast isn't downloading all of a sudden, and uh, so I start looking into it. And so I work in IT, and um, you know, Zen and Yard Triathlon is one of the very first um, podcasts out there when you had to figure out how to do it all by hand, all by yourself. So I kind of know, you know. And the reason I work in IT is, uh, and with computers, is I kind of have a good feel for, I have good in, intuition with uh, computers and how they work. And I've been doing it for 20 years, I guess. I don't know. But uh, I'm waiting on this car here. I've got a roundabout. It's very confusing to people. And this, um, in Texas, the file, I'm, I'm getting somewhere, okay? So we're not, we're talking a whole lot of meta crap. So anyway, I started, the thing with computers is computers aren't actually the flaws in computers. Computers are just uh, literal. It, they do exactly what you tell them. So when computers, when something doesn't work right, when you can't get a program to run right, when you can't get something to, to uh, a feature to work, you know, there's, there's a bug or something like that. It's actually people that's the problem. So you have to um, 
people didn't people humans didn't do something that the computer's expecting and the computer's just responding with an error and or different and the you have to have an intuitiveness for what do you think it's like being a computer whisperer when you work in IT what is the computer trying to do and what did somebody that interacted or people interacting with the computer think that it's trying to do and where is oh, that was really really nice I'm in the uh, swimming pool parking lot outdoor but heated pool it's like the perfect temperature outside. It's like 70 degrees. Water was just right. And I swam with paddles about half the time. And I'm about to tell you why. I'm putting all my stuff in the uh, rooftop box of my Nissan Xterra. You know, they have that cargo box on top. Close it up. And putting the towel in the back seat here to kind of air out with the windows down back there whenever I park it. And let's drive home. It's in the evening. I swim in the evening after work. So I was watching this video interview with Clayton, Clayton, Clayton Fatel, Fatel, Clayton Fatel. And he's Australian, I believe. And he's, um, pretty much the fastest swimmer in triathlon. He's like redonkulous. And um, and he's a, you know, he's pro caliber, so he's a, and he's, oh, almost top, top, top of the fastest pros. Um, but his swim is insane. And then on the bike, he does pretty good. And then on the run, I don't know. But, um, so basically the interview was, well, as a kid, I swam and there was a neighborhood swim team and I swam on the swim team down the street from me and I swam and swam and swam and swam and then swam more and they call it squads. He was on a swim squad growing up as a teenager, I guess maybe through college, I don't know. But anyway, it looked like they were interviewing him at Wildflower, like the Wildflower Lake was behind him and I think it's called Lake San Antonio or something. Anyway, oh, I'm hungry, I need to eat something. So they were asking some random questions. 60 to 75,000 meters per week, I think. <laughs> it was just nuts. And, um, and that was growing up and as a teenager and maybe, maybe his early 20s. But anyway, he said now um, he doesn't have to swim very much at all. Um, just a couple of surfing sessions. Um, which really torque the arms pretty good. And then a couple of swims, and he's ready to go to swim. And then he knocks out these crazy freaking fast swims in a triathlon, which really goes to show you how much swimming is a technique sport. And then also if you get strong at one point in those muscles, um, that muscle, um, you can regain strength in muscles really, really, really quickly. If Once you were strong once, then um, you can get strong again really easily. And that's true. Um, I used to lift weights a lot. So I could go back and get as strong as I used to be pretty quickly. But then in increasing that strength over what I used to be is actually pretty difficult. You know, that's a slow growth because those muscle fibers aren't dormant. I'd have to create or expand. I'd have to create new growth, you know. But reviving old growth is actually 
a lot easier. And that's my major complaint against uh, dopers is you use doping to get super freaking strong and then now you, uh, well, I haven't doped in a while. Well, you're going to easily return to that crazy, crazy freaking strength because you used artificial means to get that strength, you know, and now you can get back to that pretty easily. Um, now you won't be able to train and everything as much, but you have this dormant strength that you got um, initially by doping, and you, you can get it back. But anyway, that's a tangent. So the um, whole point of what I'm saying is the other interesting fact was he said uh, he swims with paddles, and they said, oh, yeah, how much? And he goes, the whole swim. <laughs> they go, the whole workout, yeah, paddles and bands, which means you tie your ankles together so your feet drag and uh, you have to work consciously to keep your feet up and he said yeah the whole workout he does bands and that really blew away the interviewer and I was like huh yeah I could see that it's like running with ankle weights you know like you do it to get strong and you get really really used to it you take off the ankle weights and you can pretty much freaking fly so how about I've got these I've got um, paddles and I'm like, maybe I should try that. You know, I swim with, I hardly ever swim with paddles. And I used to, when I used to be really, really fast in high school, we used to do paddle workouts to make us stronger. And I'm like, I got paddles in my swim bag. I should try to use them. So I warmed up without them. I swam for an hour. I warmed up without them. And then after a while, um, put them on and swam 10 minutes with, and immediately I was like, oh, that burns really, really nice. And the, uh, I was like, yeah, I could see how this, yeah, I need to be doing this. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, then I, after it started burning pretty good, I decided, well, this is new to me. You know, I haven't done this in a while, so I'll, uh, I'll lay off the paddles for a little bit. So I saw him 10 minutes without, and then 10 minutes after a while, I was like, okay, I could probably try it again. So I did, I alternated 10 minutes with and 10 minutes without uh, for the rest of the hour, and it was really nice. And then I combined that with my uh, my new um, infatuation with um, comfortable pace. So I just swam at a comfortable pace, um, and let because that's your fat burning zone. Whatever you feels like your normal pace. And so I just swam like that, and then um, and I let the paddles, you know, work out my arms. Um, they increase you know, torque in your arms and let, let it burn without you actually, actually having to try anything. It just happens. So I was, uh, letting the paddle work be the, the intervals and it does it without you really even trying all that much. And at the whole time I'm, uh, increasing my, um, my metabolic efficiency, um, by swimming at, at a uh, average comfortable pace. It was really nice. And then earlier today, I got this crazy freaking email that I can't tell anybody about unless something happens or they tell me I can talk about it. But man, that was a shock and it really made me, it was, it was potentially good news, sort of news, but it could like twist, I got an offer to do something. It could twist my life inside out if I accepted it. And it made me really think about, you know, like where my life is and what I'm doing and would I be good for that? And uh, why would I? And, if I accepted it, and, uh, and the the millions of unknowns of uh, where that could lead, you know, and then why would you take something that's so visible and risky 
and uh, but you know, you only live once, so you know, a little bit of adventure is kind of fun. Oh, and the uh, the, ba- the baby bird. I think the baby bird's okay. I uh, went home at lunch, and he was gone out of his nest. Dogs are still inside, and um, I went outside and surveyed the yard. Couldn't find him, so I think he's I think he's uh, free and flying and uh, having fun. And I um, and then I let the dogs out and I kind of supervised them. They cruised around the backyard and they, I didn't see them notice anything. So I guess the bird had actually learned to fly and had taken off. How about that? And I fixed the link to the uh, iTunes stuff. <laughs> all in, all in uh, one, uh, one fell swoop. So last night I went to bed completely stressed out because... Uh, the podcast was messed up had big meetings at work in the morning I had to get to and um, and this baby bird that I need to take care of and help or I should take care of and help and uh, I was completely confounded and uh, on what to do I was very stressed out and um, this morning uh, just working through it one thing at a time things came together I just did the best I could and um my podcast was reborn, and my uh, and my my baby bird that might have gotten crunched by dogs last night uh, managed managed to revive him and rebirth him into the into the woods for a second life, a second attempt at life. And uh, so again, with with him, I was worried the dogs were going to eat him because he couldn't fly yet. So I gave him a, a second chance, let him recoup overnight, put him back in safety, and then let him or her, uh, start flying again when there was no dogs around. And so he could really learn on his own without getting chewed up. So that's it. I got things to do. I think I'm going to have a beer. <laughs> oh, I've got, um, I've got, uh, St. Arnold's, which is a brewery out of Houston. Um, Alyssa is the, uh, is the ale and it's, it's pretty good. It's, it's a uh, halfway malty, halfway hoppy. It's dark, and um, it's named after the tall sailing ship, the uh, Alyssa, which is uh, moored at um, in Galveston. And I've actually been on that ship. I've never sailed on it, but when I was in Boy Scouts, we did a trip to uh, Galveston uh, Bay and stayed at the railroad museum overnight in railroad cars and Pullman cars, which was really cool. And then during the day, we uh, worked on the Alyssa, cleaning it and shining the brass and learning about it and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. It was a uh, tall ship that over time, I think they did this to a lot of tall ships, um, the owners of it uh, converted it to a uh, steamship for a while. Um, you know, a tall ship is a sailing ship, like a three, four master. And it, you know, I don't know. What, you know, there's like schooners and things like that. I don't know. I don't remember what it is, but the um, they converted it to steam or coal and had paddle wheels on the side and all this other stuff. And then um, Galveston, the city tourism board, was looking for something to make Galveston kind of special. And they searched the world. This is like 30, 40 years ago. They searched the world around for a ship, a tall ship that had actually sailed to uh, Galveston and they found it um, dry docked in uh, Italy or something I think and they were it was being just it was rusting away and 
it was a mix of metal and Frankenstein with all kinds of different drive systems and stuff because over the years they it was converted and, and stuff. So it was rebuilt and refitted as a um, by Galveston, the city of Galveston, as a uh, to its authentic original wooden sailing ship, and it does tours and flies uh, flies sails around and that's pretty cool, man. Uh, that this beer, this ale. Um, made out of Houston and Galveston was the original port city and then when it got wiped out by the by the uh, mega mega hurricane flattened the city um, they moved the ports further inland and that's how Houston itself became a city until Galveston got wiped out Houston was pretty much nothing and uh, uh, because of the fear of hurricanes and Galveston being gone um, Houston popped up so if you live in Houston or you like Houston, or you know anything about Houston, you can thank this hurricane for wiping out Galveston. <laughs> and that's what made Houston there. So, all right, that's it. I got to go. Out, bang. All right, it is Friday. It's good Friday. I have the day off from work, and I'm not in my car. <laughs> and you can tell because my car doesn't have a toilet in it. I bet yours doesn't either, unless you drive around in an RV for some reason. Uh, okay, I went on a bike ride this morning, a two-hour ride, and felt really, really nice. And a couple, I have a couple of uh, technical tips for you. And the first one is, if you have a shifting issue, um, my shifting's, uh, well, I had the cabling replaced on my shifting and um, with my new uh, Zip Vuco return to center shifters. And with new cabling, they stretch, the cable stretch like guitar strings do, um, for a few weeks of, after, during a few, few weeks of, of use. And um, so then the, the shifting settings get kind of off. And so you get it. Uh, you know, ghost shifting and then not shifting and then ghost shifting and all kinds of crazy back and forth. And um, so you have to adjust your shifting and you don't need to take it into the bike store to do this. And I have your typical shifting advice, but then I have something that a lot of people don't know. So I'm going to tell you this uh, in a second. So pay attention. The, um, The first thing is if you have a road bike, you might have a barrel adjuster up up towards the top, but it's the, you know, it's the little knob that you can twist on the cabling route. And if you have electronic shifting, then damn you, I hate you. But most of us don't have that. So at the rear derailleur, for example, there is a barrel adjuster. And if the, the easiest way to remember is if you, uh, if you want to make it so that it skips up to the to the next gear, like skips to the right um, easier, or you want it so it shifts to the left easier if you're standing behind the bike and looking down. The the coolest thing is to remember is the top of the barrel. You turn it in the same direction that you want the chain to be more in, right? So if you want it to shift to the right, which would be a smaller cog, um, then the top of the barrel adjuster, where if you reach down and grab it, I'm doing that right now. Let's get a little bit of it. There you go. So if I'm standing behind the bike, and I reach down with my hand, and now my thumb is on the top of the, um, 
the barrel adjuster and my fingers are underneath it. If I want the chain to be a little bit more to the right so it skips to the right a little bit easier and shifts up a little bit easier, then with my thumb, I twist the barrel adjuster to the right. So the top of the barrel adjuster, you turn that in the way, in the direction that you want it to go. So if I want it to uh, be a little bit to the left, the rear derailleur, then I twist it to the, I twist my thumb to the left, right? So the top of the barrel adjuster is, is uh, which, which way you turn that is the same direction that the uh, derailleur is gonna go. And then I was searching around to find an answer to a problem I was having. Um, even though I had it tuned exactly right and it was staying in the right gear, and then uh, if I downshifted, it would shift crisp, and if I upshifted, it would shift crisply. If it describes a verb, then it's an adverb, and then, because shift is a verb, and then crisp would be describing the verb, so it's an adverb. So if it's an adverb, you add an L-Y to the end of it. So you don't shift crisp, you shift crisply. How about that? <clears throat> Raised by, by a grammar Nazi. Okay, so... <laughs> How are you doing? Good? You're not doing good. You're doing well. Okay. So then, uh, sorry, squirrel. The uh, shifting um, problem is now let's say your drivetrain's kind of old. Mine's seven years old. I've moved it through two bikes, right? I get a new frame. Um, I keep the drivetrain. So I've got a, a rear derailleur that's seven, eight, nine years old, right? And um, what happens is as I get to the very end of the cassette, and I want to put it into the highest gear, you know, your fastest gear. Actually, it doesn't want to shift over to that. It's going, nah. But I'm like, well, what's the problem? You know, like it shifts between all the other gears just fine. But once it gets out to the end, it kind of goes, ah, and it takes its time, clicking, clicking, clicking. Actually doesn't want to drop into that, that last gear. And it's really frustrating because everywhere else it's shifting just fine. I read a piece of advice on the interwebs that said older drivetrains, sometimes the spring that pushes it out all the way gets, gets tired, you know, and so it doesn't have as much spring to it as it used to. So it has a little bit of trouble getting out to that outermost gear. So um, adjust your limiting screws. There's two screws on the back of your uh, derailleur, and one says H for high and one says L for low. Uh, not hammer and low steam, but the um, so what you do is you counterclockwise uh, unscrew the limiting screw on the high just a little bit, and it gives it more room, so the uh, spring has less to fight against, and then bang, it'll it'll pop into that um, that higher gear, um, no problem, and I've done that and it worked it totally worked all of a sudden it started shifting into that highest gear like just fine so if your shifting's fine except for that last gear and it doesn't want to go into it try letting out your limiting screw a little bit on the high side the h and um i bought an aero bottle in arundale arundale years ago two three something years ago and uh it's white and I've had problems during races and out on long training rides where it, um, because it's white, I actually don't know how much is left 
And I promised myself after this last ride where I went through all my, my fuel was in this aero bottle and it's on my frame, it's frame mounted. And, uh, I went through my fuel too fast and then I had a not fun run and I'm like, dude, you spend all this time training, you know, arguing with other people about training time, right? Missing things, uh, missing family time. You're out training and training and training and training only to mess it up on race day because of something stupid like you didn't know like how much fuel you've got left, right? It is really, really, when you think about it, it is really, really dumb to spend 10 to 20-something hours a week training and then mess it up on race day over something that's really, really fixable. That's a, um, you know, a $20 fix. When If time is money, the amount of money that you've sunk into training is, is crazy, to um, not do something during the race correctly because of something that's easily fixable. So after this last race, I went online where my stomach was kind of upset on the run because I ate my fuel too fast because I couldn't see how much I'd been eating uh, because the bottle is opaque and not clearish. So my fuel bottle. So I went online, ordered a replacement bottle and got a clear one. It's it's like semi-clear, but you can see... It's, it's kind of whitish opaque. It's not totally clear. But you can see through the bottle easily like how much is left that you've drank. And I wanted to recommend this to everybody that for your fuel and water bottles, um, for, for everything, if you have a choice, get clear. Um, so you're at the bike shop and you're like, ooh, this bike, this, these bottles have cool logos on them. I, want, I need a new water bottle, you know. Unless it's something that's insulated and you want it to um, stay frozen, you know, then maybe white opaque would be kind of smart, you know. But everything else, if you have a choice, get clear. And then you'll know how much water you got left or how much fuel, fuel you've got left. Um, and it seems to me like white opaque is um, white opaque. White translucent seems to be the best because it's a mix of both worlds. White reflects a lot of heat, a lot of sunlight, so it won't get too hot. And then it's translucent, so you can at least see your, your levels through it. And then I got something else that's going on. When I was in um, Spain for Strong Like Bull training camp, I had a, uh, a tire come apart on me. And another guy at the camp, Todd, said that he, um, he had a tire that he actually hated. That he lives in Northern California where it's really, really hilly. And he had a tire that, um, that for whatever reason, his brakes or something dragged against it. And he was worried about the sidewall coming apart. And um, especially in the high-speed descent and uh, with a turn, he was worried it would blast apart on him and that he'd give, give it to me. And this is really interesting, guys. So I said, oh, well, what is it? And it's a, um, it's a Continental GP4000, Grand Prix 4000S. Dude, seriously, this is like the, 
this is what I normally ride in races because it's the fastest, um, it's the fastest uh, clincher uh, road tire out there, right? That's all around. Like this thing's great, you know. And uh, I said, no, no way, man. You want to get rid of that? And he's like, yeah. He just doesn't. He just doesn't feel good about riding it. And I looked at it, and I'm like, yeah, I could see a little bit of sidewall wear. But it doesn't really concern me because where I train here in Texas, we don't, it's really hard to get up over like 35 miles per hour. I'm not really worried about the sidewall blasting apart on a high-speed descent because we, we don't have mountains here, you know. So I'm like, and then I'm looking into the future and I'm like, well, I could, uh, I'm going to be riding a lot on the trainer too. So I'm going to tear it, you know, if it blows apart on the trainer, like I don't care. And uh, I'm like, okay, cool. Let's let's put it on my bike. Then I noticed it's a 25 millimeter instead of a 23. It's actually a. Um, did I just hear something drag? Hmm. It's a. Um, it's wider than um, the normal, and a lot of elite triathletes put a wider rear tire on on the rear um, because of it it gives you a better a better ride quality a fatter tire gives you a better ride quality and because it's in the rear it doesn't um, and if I'm already riding a disc in the rear it doesn't mess with aerodynamics very much um, it's the front where the aerodynamics of the tire is really critical. And if it's in the rear, it doesn't matter as much. And then because it's in the rear and your ass is sitting over it, you're going to feel the effects of a wider tire, a more comfortable ride, a lot better. And um, so I was gifted out of the blue with a top-of-the-line wider tire to put on my rear rear to put on my rear um, wheel. And so I jumped at it. I was like, cool. So actually since Spain, I've been riding this thing. Um, and I thought I'd tell you about what I noticed. I noticed nothing. (laughs) This rides like any other tire, but it's kind of cool that I got it. So it's kind of like having a drag, a drag car, drag bike, you know, where the, the uh, front wheels are skinnier than the rear. Um, it, it's, uh, it might be better. I can't tell, but it's kind of cool that I got it. So who knows? Right. So I'm just going to ride it. If I, um, if I was to buy a whole new tire set again, uh, I'd probably buy, um, 23s, um, and not 25s. Um, because after the rear starts wearing out, I swap them and I put the rear in the front and I put the front back on the rear. And so I'm alternating front to rear. And, um, if they're different, I don't want to put a 25 in the front. I'd, I'd rather have a, uh, 23 in the front. Um, but anyway, that's all I got. I know that's kind of crazy. So I got the day off. I'm going to actually, uh, do some work on my bike and clean it up and work on the arrow bars a little bit and uh, I'll probably run this evening. So that's it out. Oh, I swam last night with paddles. Did I talk about that? Yeah, I already talked about that. All right, that's it out Bing.
Oh, hey guys, I just finished an evening run and I got some cool training advice for you, man. Uh, I've been trying something and I thought I'd pass it on. <laughs> okay. Mm. I'm drinking one of those Alyssa beers. That's actually not that bad. Okay. First off, there was an article I read a while back, um, well, like a week or so ago, that I thought was fascinating. And I'm sorry if I've talked about it earlier, but I got to repeat what it said. It said, um, basically, it was a, it was a running article, but it could be translated to swimming or biking, and. It was, oh, I forgot the gist of it because what I'm about to tell you was kind of like a, a side, a segue sideways, but it really caught my attention. So they were testing, you know, like different fuels and, and people running and stuff like that, right? On treadmills and testing people and stuff. Okay. But the really important part, I'll get to it, <laughs> is that the strongest correlating factor to someone's uh, natural pace, right? They said, get on a treadmill and run whatever your natural pace is, whatever you feel like your natural pace and like your God-given pace. Oh, that was the article, is why is some people's natural paces different than others, right? Okay. And then they tested all these different people. All these different people have natural paces. So they were like, okay, does it correlate to threshold? No, it doesn't. And the whole point was, hey, it's mental. How hard you push is mental, right? Well, not exactly, because they did find a correlating factor. You're comfortable, you're, what you perceive as your natural pace just happens to be, at most, the top end of your fat-burning pace, Right? Where you're still predominantly fat burning. So what's going on is your brain uh, knows that if you go much faster, you're going to go into uh, glucose burning and you only have limited supplies of that. So your natural running pace is one that you can do all day because it literally is one that you can do all day, right? So The recommendation was, um, well, and I'm kind of putting together things for Maffetone and other things all, all into this. If you run at your natural, what you feel is your natural pace, you'll actually get faster and faster. And your natural pace will actually get faster because you'll get, um, and I'm, I'm saying, I think if you run at the top end of your natural pace, don't run at the slow end of your natural pace, but the top end, your body will adapt and go, oh, um, a little bit faster, a little bit faster, and it's not a shock to the system, and it's in your fat burning zone, so your, your efficiency, basically what you're doing is figuring out how to run economically faster at your fat burning um, pace, um, at your fat burning effort level, right? Okay, so I was out running, well, I was biking this morning and then running this evening at what I just felt like was my, na I settled into what was my natural pace, and then I would try to see if I could accelerate it a little bit kind of here and there, but that's it, right? And 
what was really cool was I felt, especially this evening run, is I really felt like I could bike or run like all day. I could just keep going and going and going. And at first it feels like maybe you're not getting a good workout, but after about half an hour or so, you can feel the, the fatigue setting in. You know, you can tell that it's working your muscles. It's definitely a workout and it's definitely going to improve you. <clears throat> and um, I think it's like fantastic training for um, Ironman pacing, long distance uh, pacing for yourself to realize. Oh, and the um, the thing is, is the longer I went, actually I started subcon. I could tell that my body was kind of subconsciously doing little things to get faster at that um, comfortable pace. And actually, I want to. I kept thinking. Like the first word that comes to mind, I was thinking about this when I was running, you know, like telling you all, like, how do I describe this? Um, I don't, I, I wouldn't call it comfortable. I'd call it natural, your natural pace. You, listener right now in your car, if you went out running, you, Bob, right, you, Bob, I'm talking to you. If you went out running right now and you were told, hey, you got to run like two, three hours, doesn't matter how fast you go, really, you know, like how fast would you, you know, you got to, I don't know, you got to file papers when you get to the end. It's not that exciting at the end, you know, you just got to run. What's your natural pace? You know, um, you're not racing, just what's your natural pace? And, um, and then that way you, you view it more as like a, it's like your current ability, you know, now run at the barely the top end of that of that natural kind of ability don't think about it too much and your body will start cheating itself to go with that natural ability just a little bit faster every time every minute every every hour every workout you know and um one thing i want to make really really clear is um in zen there is no really right or wrong um, there's two things. There's, um, intention. Like, did you mean to be mean or rude or were you accidentally rude? You know, you shouldn't feel too bad <clears throat> if you didn't intend to be, you know, a jerk or hurt somebody or whatever. It was more of an accident. And then, um, it's all in the intention, you know? Um, and then there's like no sin. Um, it's all, did you mean, uh, to, uh, steal? Um, so, and then the other one is, you can look into that. That's a whole nother podcast <clears throat> from a while back. Okay. But the other one is, is viewpoint. Okay. So the universe is going on as is, right? It's just physics. And so, and chemistry and hormones and, and whatever, you know, um, the sun doesn't care how many times the earth flies around it before the sun swallows it up. You know, it's, everything's just physics. It doesn't matter. Okay. But if you notice some people, are having a happy day while other people are freaking miserable about the exact same thing, right? If I gave you a new car and it was a Ford Mustang, some people would be like, wow, that's really cool. And then people who hate Mustang, Ford and like Chevys would be like, oh, well, that kind of sucks, right? <laughs> so everything's a viewpoint, right? It's perception. It's your angle of view into it. And it's from, you get these viewpoints from your um, experiences in life, you know? Somebody likes Chevy instead of Ford because their parents like Chevys and told them that Ford suck, you know? If they were raised in a family that told them that Fords are awesome, they'd be exactly opposite. That's why people in China, you know, are one religion and people in America are another. It's all, you know, what your parents told you, honestly. Okay, so then, anyway, 
the <laughs> sorry tangent. Um, if you're if you're trying to get somewhere with your training and um, something's not working right, there's a really good chance that it's your view. And if you can get a different viewpoint that actually works for you, that changes your perception of what you're doing and, um, and makes you behave differently, then use it, right? So if running at a nat, what, what, you, what we would call a natural pace, um, for me, it really, really works. It's, it's a different viewpoint, right? I'm like, I'm going to just run at my natural pace. And based on science, the more I run at my natural pace, um, actually, the faster I'll get. Natural pace. Now, if I say comfortable pace, my viewpoint on that is, well, that sounds lazy, right? But if I say natural pace, pace, well, I'm kind of a hippie, you know, so I'm like, all right, natural, man. You know, and then that works for me, right? And um, you can, whenever you're trying to do something um, and you're having a little bit of difficulty getting it done, try reframing it, rephrasing it, looking at it from a different viewpoint until it actually rings with you in a way that you, uh, you know, like to do. So, um, in Zen, when the, um, a lot of times, these Zen stories, um, somebody will come to a Zen master and say, I'm very upset about this, or I don't get this. And the Zen master basically, or frequently says, wrong view. You have wrong view. Um, the facts are still the same, but your perception of the facts is actually wrong, um, so I'm really wrong. I'm really mad at this guy because he said on the forum that he's special and that blah, blah, blah. Now I'm really mad. And it's like, well, one of you has the wrong view. <laughs> should you waste your time with a guy on the forum? Or should this guy think that he's, that he's special? One or the other, you know? It's all viewpoint. Everything's a, if it's an opinion and it's not just physics and facts, then it's a viewpoint. And you can twist that viewpoint to... Um, to uh, meet your needs, you know, like when somebody gets elected president, half the country's just destroyed, you know, like, oh my God, and then the other half is like, hey, yay, you know, they're all humans, so what's the, what's the difference? It's view, it's viewpoint. Everything you think you know is an illusion. <laughs> anyway, along with that, I was um, reading a different article about um, fueling and nutrition, and there was a study where they put people on a treadmill and ran them, and they did two different kinds of um, pre-workout fueling. They figured out that if they gave the athletes uh, more of a fat-based meal, than uh, a car, just a straight carb-based meal, that they actually ran farther. Um, you know, after the meal settled, it was like uh, two hours after the meal. After the meal settled, they actually ran farther before fatigue. What was interesting is they still needed to eat the same amount of carbs during the workout, but the fat-based meal fundamentally changed their their metabolism over the next few hours. And so when they started off on the workout, the body was happy and, you know, like uh, happy and metabolizing fat, doing all right. And the people that had eaten the carb-based meal, um, you know, they're pro probably their insulin spiked and then crashed. 
and then now um, they're really running on fumes and eating the same amount of carbs as the other people. Uh, the fat-based people um, worked kind of, but the, uh, the fat-based people um, were able to go 10 more minutes before fatigue. So they, they went an hour and 10 minutes, and the carb-based people went, went an hour, right, uh, before they said they felt like crap. So this is not fueling with fat during the workout. It was actually pre-workout um, snacking or eating um, to get the body, you know, burning fat. So um, on Zentri, we sell a Hornet juice, which is a fat metabolizing protein powder that you can take, they recommend, um, a little bit before your workout to kind of get the body metabolizing fat, right? So there you go. And I love this Hornet juice stuff. It really works. And then um, you can get that Hornet juice, actually, and it really helps support the show. We just up the bandwidth costs. So uh, it's over, it's on the right side, I think, of zentrathlon.com. And then um, on the, uh, so before this workout tonight, I was kind of hungry. And I was like, well, I shouldn't eat just straight carbs because I want to try this fat burning thing. So I was like, I have a uh, coconut oil in the pantry, so I eat like a little bit of coconut oil, and I'm kind of like, eh, that's not sustainable. That just tastes, bleh. you know. I mean, it's okay, but it's not like all that exciting. And I'm like, what would work? And I was kind of looking around the kitchen, and then I saw peanut butter, and I was like, oh my god, that's perfect. So a lot of you are like already nodding your head, like duh. And um, I ate a spoonful of peanut butter, which is really high in fat, and it's got a little bit of protein and carbs in it, and um, but really high in fat, and um, uh, waited about 15 minutes and then went out for a run and then had this fantastic freaking run where I just felt like I didn't start off the run going, oh my God, I need, I need energy and you know, my blood sugar's all like wonky all over the place because, I, uh, because I was hungry and then I ate straight carbs and then I had you know, like a gel and then like skyrocketed and then crashed again. All right. Kona went running with me. Hey, buddy, what's up? Hey, you want to let people hear you pant? It was beautiful weather. How about that? He's happy. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're we're going to record a training log for the rest of this weekend. It's a three-day weekend, and i got lots going on. It's kind of fun, so stay tuned. Out, Bing. All right. I had an epic epic bike ride this morning that I got to tell you all about. But first, I got to take a quick shower. Uh, I have pollen, pollen allergies. And a couple, three weeks ago, I forgot to take my shots for about two weeks in a row. And uh, I got busy. And uh, now my skin's all itchy. I, I got my shot this week, but it's going to take me a little bit to catch back up. And it's just scratching myself until I bleed. So one trick, you pick up a ton of pollen. If you've got hay fever or allergies or whatever, this is a good trick. Uh, when you, especially when you go out on a bike ride, you pick up a ton of pollen all over your body. And then it doesn't seem to itch so bad while you're riding. But when you stop, somehow, for whatever reason, it settles into your skin and just gets itchy, itchy, itchy. Uh, so as soon as you get done with a ride... One thing, obviously, is you got to get out of your cycling shorts. And then the uh, next thing is, uh, where'd my coffee go? The next thing is um, 
rinse off and soap if you want. Um, where'd my coffee go? With, uh, uh, to get all the pollen off of you because it's a mess, man. Um, and then you'll be happy quick before you get all itchy. Um, another thing that happened, I got a bunch of things, is my uh, power meter just died about two-thirds of the way through the bike ride. And it wasn't reading out anything. No cadence, no power, nothing. And um, that is why it's really important to train by feel a lot of the time. Is you, um, you never know when your gear is going to conk out. And now you're riding uh, solo without a, co- without a co-pilot to tell you what to do. So you need to know what to do and what things feel like. I remember uh, Ironman Wisconsin. Um, uh, my power meter died. As soon as I got on the bike, <laughs> it ran for a few minutes and then conked out. And uh, the uh, I still did uh, 12.59. And that was one of my um, that was one of my earlier Ironmans, like my third Ironman or something like that. And Wisconsin's a uh, rough course. I think the shower's about hot enough now. I'm gonna I'm not gonna take you in there with me, but yeah, it's another thing is um, for uh, cami cream, you know, to keep from your your crotch from getting all blistered up and and. Uh, ingrown hairs and all that crap and sore saddle sores um emily is a nurse i was told her i was trying to find skin sake and she said um because they carry it in a lot of stores in big cities but college station doesn't seem to have any so i was gonna have to order it on the internet and she said why don't you use lantiseptic and um because she has some because she's a nurse and i was like um what's that and lantiseptic, L-A-N-T-I, lantiseptic is, um, it comes in a little white screw top container um, that's wider as, as it is tall, than it is tall. And the first ingredient in it is beeswax. And I think that's the first ingredient. Well, lanolin. It's 50% lanolin. And um, and then the other, then immediately after that, it's um, beeswax. Um, I gotta tell you, I used this stuff for the first time yesterday, and I was so blown away that this morning I paid more attention when I when I uh, put it on and rubbed it between my fingers. It's really weird. This stuff is um, it's like Teflon. When you put it on your skin, it makes your skin like slippery, like nothing wants to stick to it, which is awesome. And um, so I highly recommend it. Like I put on some of that as a base coat on my crotch, right? And then, um, then, uh, then I grabbed some Noxema and tried to put that on top of it. The Noxema wouldn't stick to anywhere where I put the lantiseptic. It was crazy. I was like, man, that's really, really good. Um, okay, when I come back, I'm going to tell you about a cadence and muscle... Uh, thing that I figured out while riding that really upped uh, the performance on today's bike ride. So I'll be right back. Out. All right, I'm back. I'm spotless. No more pollen. Okay. Something I realized, you know, I was saying earlier that when you do a ton more volume at your natural pace, 
your body ends up figuring out a way for you to go even faster and faster. Little mechanical things like leverage things and, and uh, different angles of attack, um, different things that make the same pace easier and a faster pace uh, doable, right? Okay, so, and, and, you, and you discover these things by, by just volume and volume and volume. You, you, uh, you're, you try different things all the time, and then you toss out the things that don't work, and you, and you keep the things that do work. You don't even know you're doing it. But just think about it, like how much more efficient you are at walking today than you were when you were learning how to walk as a little kid, right? You just learn to be more and more efficient. Okay, so there's... Um, and then, well, and then with 10,000 hours, right, you get really good. So one thing that's really frustrating is when you talk to somebody that's a really good athlete, cyclist or runner or swimmer, and you're like, how are you so fast? They're like, I don't know. I just train, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's like, just trained a lot, and you know, I got faster and faster. And Well, their technique's better, is more efficient, but how did, they, how did they figure it out, you know? Okay, so last night I was listening to um, – Trail Runner Nation podcast, and they were interviewing interviewing a guy. He's a colonel in the Air Force, probably retired, and um, he owns a uh, running shoe store in West Virginia. And he's kind of famous because he's he's a minimalist shoe uh, advocate, and um, and that's you know whatever. So, by the way, go back to really really old episodes. I used to run barefoot all the time. So um, then he was saying, you know. The foot is fine the way it is, um, so it's got natural levers and everything in, in it, and um, you just need to do more, just do more, and you figure out how to use it better, uh, but within reason, you know, so you don't injure yourself. And uh, the muscles, he was talking, I, I was kind of, it was late last night, so I was kind of in and out, and I was overfeeding the neighbor's dog and, and whatever, but I caught something that he said, where he said, muscles are actually stronger if you hyperflex first out before you contract, and I, and he and I was like, huh? And then he said, try breathing out real hard. What's the first thing you do? You breathe in <laughs> to expand the muscles to stretch them out, and then you breathe out really hard. Okay, so you try this: try breathing out hard first without breathing in first to hyperflex your muscle right? Um, if you're going to punch a punching bag, you don't start um, with your muscle like half cocked. You rear back and hyperflex your muscle and then punch, right? Um, and that allows you to punch harder. There's, if you're throwing a javelin, like you, you stretch your arm and your wrist so far back behind you that it's stretched. And then as you contract, um, it's apparently stronger when you do this, right? Okay, so I'm, I was listening to that, and while I'm out on this three-hour bike ride, like uh, about a, uh, 45 minutes to an hour into it, I'm riding along, and I'm like, you know, I'm going to try something. Um, or I'm going to put into use something that I've noticed. I've been noticing this. The more volume I've been doing, I've been noticing that... Um, if you work with your ankles a little bit, you, you can flex your leg up 
So your knee's higher, you point down with your toes, and then your knee comes higher. And then what it does is it kind of hyperflexes your hamstring um, up. So then when you press down, it's stronger. And then when it's down, you hyperflex your ankle. Well, you, you, you roll your ankle and heel down so that your quad is uh, flexed out a little bit more. Your quad? Your glute? I don't know, whatever it is. And then when you, when, you, when you pull up, you're pulling up from a hyperflexed down, and that's stronger, right? And the first thing I notice is your cadence goes down because this is new and you're kind of making a longer stroke with your hand. Right now I'm doing it with my hand. Uh, remember uh, Karate Kid, wax on, wax off, right? So you go up with the wrist and you flex the wrist and then pop it back. And like if you're popping a whip, you rear back first and then you pop the whip, right? So what I noticed was at first, your cadence slows down and that's not all that good. But with just a little bit of practice, um, you get the movement down so that um, the ankle starts, starts doing it faster and faster. Now you're back up to where your regular cadence was, but now you're hyperflexing um, your muscles a little bit more. I don't know if hyperflexing is the right word, but you're counterflexing your muscles a little bit longer so that when they come down, or when they contract, they're actually stronger, right? And this is back when my power meter was still working <laughs> earlier in the ride. And I noticed the power numbers went up, right, at, a, at the same heart rate and uh, same cadence. Um, and then that flex action was actually resting the muscle a little bit. So it was actually, like, really sustainable. And I was, I was sitting there going, this is one of those things that people that are really, really good don't even know that they're doing. Um, so they don't even know how to communicate it to you. They don't ever talk about it, you know, like how to, how to get more power out of your stroke, right? So I thought I, I had to tell everybody. And then I remember the, um, the, uh, the shoe guy on the Trail Runner Nation uh, show was talking about you know, if you use your legs right, they're talking about running. If you use your legs right, um, you open up your your hip angle, your hip angle more, and you get more extension and all. And I'm like, yeah, because you're hyper, you're flexing out a little bit more. You get used to doing it, and then you're able to use it, and it makes you stronger. And then I'll net this. I have this image in my mind of um, there's photos online of Kenyan kids, Ethiopian kids, or um, kids in Africa running, right? And they're, it's like eight years old, right? Running down a dirt road, you know, because they're running to school or running, you know, they're just running around. And the hip flexing on these kids, like the angle between the foot that was um, out in front of him was like his, his thigh was like parallel and he's just jogging, right? He's just jogging in the background behind this guy that was being interviewed. Uh, so it's just an average kid, right? It wasn't even the focus of the of the video or the of the picture. This kid's just running behind, just running to his friend's house, hut, whatever. And so he's like, his his thigh is parallel to the ground. <laughs> his his leg out in front of him, and then and then the leg that's behind him is nearly parallel to the ground, right? Because his leg is stretched out so much. 
and he's just jogging, you know? And I was like, man, you take an American kid and, or American grown-up runner, and our legs are so close together, you know? But what these kids are doing is they're learning. They're running so much. They got 10,000 hours of running by, you know, whatever age that they've learned to um, stretch out like that and then use that hyperflexing flexion to, um, to uh, bounce back. You know, they're like really, really used to it. Uh, hold on a second. All right, I'm back. I was checking to make sure the pool was open today. I'm going to go swim. Um, so, like, I posted a picture a few days ago of Starkowitz uh, biking and commented on, it was his bike position, you know, mid-race, on how high his knees came up and, like, his torso is really low. So, it's like his knees are coming to his chest, right? And because um, these guys can get really low in the front end, um, but yet... The um, the knees are really high. Those guys, like the fastest or one of the fastest cyclists, don't tell him I said one of the fastest. <laughs> He's the fastest, okay? Cyclist um, in triathlon, and his... Um, He's bringing that leg up super high, so the hyperextension of the of the hamstring is uh, helping create the um, the extra force on the way back down. It's really really cool when you think about it. And uh, anyway, I'm not saying you have to do this. I'm just saying when you're out cycling and um, and you're going at your natural pace, see if you're if you're using that ankle to um, extend to both shorten and extend your, um, your, your, um, your leg length so that um, uh, you get this pop with your leg so that it's more like, a, more like a whip as you whip up and down to get more force out of what you're doing. And again, think about this. Before you breathe out, if you're going to breathe out really hard, you have a breathe out test, which actually when you take your allergy shots, they want you to breathe out um, uh, into a device that measures how strong your lungs are today. Because if uh, your allergies are acting up, you get a little bit of asthma and you can't, can't breathe so hard. Well, the first thing you do is you take a huge breath in to flex those, flex out to elongate the, um, the abdomen muscles, your diaphragm. And then you breathe then you breathe out. So imagine that you got good enough at this, your 10,000 hours, so that you're, you're, um, it's just as fast as somebody that, you know, is not practicing doing it, doing it without, right? So that your cadence is still nice and high, but you get this extra force. And then there's, there's your missing power, your missing watts that, um, that uh, make you faster. You're missing miles per hour. You know, when, when you, Somebody that's like crazy, crazy fast, you know, isn't trying any harder than you are. <laughs> You're all trying the same. I remember coaching people in the pool that, that are terrible swimmers and, and they're like, I just wish I could swim faster. I'm like, listen, if your goal is health, you're working out just as hard as anybody else. You know, don't worry about so much about how fast you're going. You'll get faster over time. It's, you know, it's exertion that's, you know, that's the workout. So somebody that's like crazy, crazy fast, um, isn't trying any harder than you are. You got to remember that they're just better at it. They're more efficient at doing it, and um, it's all the same amount of willpower, same amount of force. It's just they've figured it out a little bit. So all you got to do is you got to start figuring it out. So it's these little things that add up. All right.
That's it. I'll be back later. Bang. Well, that was a crazy swim workout. I did one hour. <laughs> Can't y'all aren't gonna believe this. I did one hour with uh, paddles. Oh, there goes my water bottle. And bands, a band around my ankles. So I did the Clayton Fatel workout. And actually, it was both hard and easy. Um, it was easy because it was very entertaining because it was hard. <laughs> so the hour actually went by uh, pretty fast. And I thought, um, incorrectly, that I'd be pretty good at swimming with a band. Band around your ankles is... Um, I tied a handkerchief around my ankles. That's just what I happened to have. And it worked, it actually worked really well. And, um, but because you can't kick, your feet sink. But, like, I can swim with a, um, a styrofoam uh, pool boy between my legs, like, no problem whatsoever, and swim just almost as fast or just as fast as I swim without. So I figured I'd be fine, you know, like, and that my feet wouldn't drag all that much. I'd be like, man, I'm a good swimmer. This won't be any problem at all. Man, was I wrong. My feet sank straight to the bottom. <laughs> And um, there's a video online where this guy is giving advice on how to do it. And he said, uh, um, swim downhill with your press down with your upper body. Point down with your head. Just get swimming downhill and your legs will come up. So I kept doing that. And, and yeah, I mean, the more I did it, the better I got at it, you know. And then with the paddles on your hands, um, it just increases the resistance that you're trying to pull with your arms like by three times as much, maybe 10 times as much. I mean, it's really crazy. Um, but if you remember, I swam a couple of swims ago or a swim ago, uh, about 30 minutes with it, uh, alternating 10 minutes with and 10 minutes without. So today when I did a full hour, I was smarter, you know, from the experience of doing that and knew how to not blow up. And, um, I really, really, really like it. I love uh, resistance training. And um, it was interesting. And I was doing bilateral breathing the whole time, too. So I, this is the, uh, <laughs> the trifecta nuclear weapon in swimming is bilateral breathing with hand paddles with, with, uh, with an ankle band on. And if you can do that, Man, <laughs> holy crap. And I'm not saying I was very good at it, but I was figuring it out. And then when I took it off, uh, I swam a couple laps after I was done with it off just to kind of see uh, what it was like without it. And yeah, my position had changed, man. I was faster um, for sure. I was swimming more downhill, uh, legs up. So it's definitely a, a real thing. So I also wanted to mention um, that, oh, don't, don't do that. Don't do what I just did unless you're a very experienced swimmer that's been doing like uh, uh, bodybuilding stuff, um, you know, and so you're really, really strong up there. That's a really good formula for injuring your shoulders or your elbows is what I was just doing. Um, because it's cool and it's fun and you can feel it, but then you end up doing too much of it and then you, um, then you get hurt. Uh, anyway, so, uh, freestyler, freestyle swimmers, 
have lots of shoulder injuries from throwing their arms really, really hard. I've even got one. I got a slap tear, S-L-A-P, as an acronym for something. But anyway, the um, the other thing I, f- I forgot to mention was that I, what did I do? Oh, for breakfast this morning, before my bike ride, my really nice bike ride that I had, I, um, what did I have? Well, first I got up and I had Ezekiel cereal, which is a really, really whole grain, like majorly whole grain um, cereal with uh, whole milk. It's got a little bit of fat in it, a little bit of extra fat in it. Had that, and um, I, I do the cinnamon raisin. That's my favorite. And then, what did I do? After that, kind of farted around the house having a cup of coffee and whatever. And uh, I had to go over to feed uh, a dog, my brother-in-law's dog. And I came back to the house. And uh, then I'm like, okay, it's still dark. And I'm like, okay, time to get ready for your bike ride. You're kind of hungry now. Because I just had a, you know, like a small to medium-sized bowl of cereal. And then I had, I'm like, I'm going to do this. Make sure before my big workout that I have a meal with uh, plenty of fat in it. And um, so I did two scrambled eggs and I put guacamole. And guacamole is crazy high in fat and it's really good for you. It's got lots of fiber in it and it's a veggie. It's a fruit maybe. Avocado is actually a fruit because it's got a seed inside. But anyway, um, a lot of fat. And... um, I mixed it in with the scrambled eggs. I did two scrambled eggs in a ceramic mug and nuked it in the microwave. And then um, the, what happens? The fat in the guacamole kind of helps keep it from sticking to the sides of the cup a little bit. There goes my water. And then what happened? Oh, and then when it was done, um, I let it sit for a minute. And then to help cool it off, I dumped a ton of salsa on it. And there's your carbs, uh, really healthy because it's all fruits and veggies and stuff. Lots of lots of lots of uh, salsa. And then, then I snacked on you know I don't even remember whatever. And then um, right before I walked out the door, about ten minutes before I got on the bike, maybe fifteen minutes before I got on the bike, I ate a big spoonful of peanut butter. And um, and then I had this fantastic bike ride. So I don't know, maybe there's something to it. But anyway. That's it. I'm going to swing by Freebirds and get a burrito for a late lunch. All right, out, bang. All right, I'm back at the house. We're going to do a little beer review, but let's see. Hey, kitty, what's going on? All right, Suji's all right. Okay, and then we need to let the dogs in. Hey, come on. What's up, freaks? Oh, my God. Woo! How was it out there? How was it? How was it? How was it? How was it? Okay. Oh my god. It's freaking great. Alright, we have for us our for our beer review where I drink a beer and I tell you whether you should go out and waste your time on it, because there's so many beers out there now. I'm your guinea pig. Um, Sam Adams Rebel IPA. India Pale Ale, it's IPA, and Rebel. Not sure why it's called Rebel. Maybe I should read the box. But anyway, and then in subtext, it says West Coast Style. So 6.5% alcohol by volume. That's kind of neat. But uh, let's see. It's red and white label. Where's my Sunto bottle cap? Bottle cap over here.
There we go. And let's taste it. Oh, that's good. That is a usable ale. All right, let's see what the box says. Yeah, that's nice and hoppy. Does not say anything about it. Let's see, on the label, it says, Rebel IPA is brewed with five varieties of West Coast hops. Cascade Simcoe, not sure what that is. Centennial Chinook and Amarillo. It's everything. It's everything? It's everything. Okay, so I guess you could say what, yeah. I did a, a tour with Bend, uh, with uh, Drew from Bend, Oregon, of the Deschutes Brewery in Bend, Oregon, and that was really, really interesting. And West Coast ales, they do like to be more hoppy uh, f- uh, flavored, and and there's a distinct taste between East Coast and West Coast, and the um, so I guess some of it has to do with the actual types of hops. The species, I guess, is it a species of hops that are in there, and you can choose. And then if you choose ones that are grown out on the west coast, then then that's what you get. So let's put this in a thermos, and I'll be back. It's nice, man. Mmm. I'm gonna have a. I'm gonna have this beer, ale. And then relax for a little bit, do some coaching, and then uh, we're going to go for a run with Kona. Right, buddy? What's up, dude? What's up? All right. <laughs> Out, Bing. <clears throat> All right. I'm, I went for an evening run, an hour and eight or nine minutes, and uh, had something really interesting happen. And uh, now I'm watching a UFC fight while I'm <laughs> drinking a beer. And it's uh, Travis Brown. This is heavyweight. Travis Brown versus Fabricio, I think. It's really interesting. These guys are so huge. Roxy, these guys are so huge that um, uh, they burn so much calories and generate so much heat with every move. They move a lot slower, but every move is way more powerful. So it's really fascinating to watch. The difference in body size... And um, the economy of, of movement that you have to consider when uh, size is a factor. And you, you consider that in triathlon. And, you know, lightweights can just move so fast and just cruise. And then big, heavy people have to, have to be um, more conservative. And, and um, the, a, a match I was watching a while back, you know, they commented on, yeah, it looks like they're moving slow, but there's so much power behind the big guys' uh, kicks and hits that they're they're burning a lot of calories um, just to do that. And um, they're showing in slow motion. And uh, it's f- fascinating watching, you know, when you think about running, and being an overweight, and not sometimes not even overweight, just a big guy, and or girl, and the extra energy it takes to do that, and how that wears on you. So anyway, I was running. This is the last round. Just started, and uh, something in my Freebirds burrito really. 
I noticed before I started running, Kona, cut that out. I noticed before I started running that um, I was uh, having gas. I was farting, and it was weird. And it must. I'm, I'm thinking it was something in my burrito because it started happening before I even started running. And then uh, I get ready to go run, and um, just the tiniest bit hungry before I run, so I ate a spoonful of peanut butter. Um, for that fat burning, and then I uh, got my running stuff together, and then um, took off for a jog. And as I was running, it was an hour and eight minutes. And the further I got into my run, um, and I'm fueling on, I got gel and honey poured into a gel flask, and I just kind of sip on it as I as I run, and um, drinking water out of a flask. And the longer I run. Um, the more my stomach gets tight and it just starts to hurt and hurt. And then it got so painful towards the end that I was almost, um, in a, not really, but kind of felt like I was going to pass out. You know, I was starting to get lightheaded from the pain. And then also I wasn't able to fuel after a while, um, after about 45 minutes because I didn't want to eat anything because my stomach hurt so bad. And um, so... Uh, so then towards the very end, I was running on fumes and my heart rate started dropping and I still had a good run and I was still okay. Cause I knew that it was going to end soon and I knew what I was going to do to, um, well, hopefully going to do to uh, fix it, you know, after my run was over, but this goes to show mine was induced by a burrito. Okay. <laughs> Which is. Um, but a good lesson in what happens when you can't, your stomach starts to hurt and then you can't eat and then you start running out of gas and the, um, uh, man, I hope Travis Brown wins. I like him. He's cool. He's got a big beard. <laughs> I've never seen somebody take so much abuse and still just be looking fine. Um, God, the other guy's popping him in the face. You can hear it smack when he hits him in the face. Whew. Anyway, um, so let's say my my bike and my run were really far apart, you know, four or five hours. And uh, so it's not really the fuel I had on the bike. But you can see how if you're doing a, a half Ironman or an Ironman, it, you're going long and your um, stomach starts to hurt because your fueling gets off, and then you can't fuel anymore. You start running on fumes, and then you, you have pain, and you have to start walking, right, which is a really bad thing. So mine was artificially induced by just everyday food in my daily meal, not actually, you know, my bike ride. My bike ride was fine. I finished that feeling fine. But um, mine was burrito-induced. <laughs> But anyway, when I got back to the house, I, um, I did a trick that actually works really well. And I've done it actually in the middle of a run where my stomach hurt really bad. Um, you, it doesn't look cool, but you get down on your hands and knees, put your ass up in the air, and put your face down on the uh, pavement. In my case, on the carpet, which was full of dog hair, which was annoying. And then after just a, a minute or two... The gas tries to go up, and then you fart. You fart it out, um, and then you feel a whole lot better really quick. Um, and this is stomach pain, makes your stomach feel tight, 
makes you like you don't want to eat or drink anything because it just hurts. It's just like it's a physical pain. You wonder if your belt's too tight or something like that. And um, so I went from feeling lightheaded and almost uh, nauseated to um, to a feeling fine um, with a, a few farts after I after I I know it sounds gross but whatever um, after uh, having my ass up and my face down, <laughs> sounds like a rap song and, uh, letting some, some gas out. So you can imagine, let's say you're doing an Ironman, you know, it's a, it's a 10 hour, 11 hour, 12 hour for some of us, 15, 17 hour race. Your stomach starts to hurt. It is worth it to spend three minutes to, um, let the, uh, gas out. I'm not sure what to do, you know, like go hide behind an aid station because it's, Oh man, Travis Brown lost. He's gonna lose. The match is over. The other guy beat him. Wow, that guy was really badass. That beat him. I still gotta. I still gotta go over to um. Let the dog in. Anyway. Um, so imagine your stomach hurts, you can't feel it or anything, and you're like, oh, i got to keep going. Well, no, stop. And sometimes even walking will let, you know, the gas out, make you feel better. And um, then, because you're not bouncing as much, it lets your stomach relax. I've noticed that too. And uh, kind of resets your stomach, so... Anyway, uh, big day today, so five plus hours, five hours and eight or nine minutes... Uh, Three-hour bike ride, one-hour swim with paddles and ankle strap the entire way, and then a, uh, a one-hour-plus run. So it was nice. It's very, very nice. All right. Out. Let's see what happens tomorrow. Oh, i got to replace the battery in my, um, my power meter. That's going to be fun. Out, Bing. Oh, man. Okay, so it's Sunday morning. It's really foggy outside. I already went and fed the dog down the... Uh, it's about three miles from here, and fixed my power meter. <laughs> so yesterday's bike ride, it just stopped working. It would find it, but it wouldn't give me cadence or power. So I uh, found the special tool. I have a power tap, which is a rear hub uh, G3, I guess. Anyway, I um, last night at the grocery store, I bought um, a new battery, 2032. I bought four of them. And um, I keep them in a drawer. I was out. And this morning, put it on. And, uh, well, yesterday when I was trying to make it work, I recalibrated, and the, and the calibration number was insane. Like, it was really weird. And so, um, and then it still doesn't, didn't work. And then I um, took the rear wheel off and uh, put the new battery in this morning. I had to find the tool, all that crap, and uh, to get the hub cover off and then put it in. And then uh, it started seeing cadence. I put it on the trainer and started pedaling around. And then uh, it saw cadence, but the power number was still zero. So then I recalibrated and then um, it found it. So um, and it's reading power. So I'm, I'm actually pretty stoked. So we got that. Got that going. <laughs> Uh, all right, bang. I forgot to mention to tell that the old battery was um, 
actually dying, I, I have a battery meter, you know, just a cheap one. And it read on the edge of needing replacement. So if you got a power tap, um, and also I didn't ride it overnight. So batteries kind of recharge themselves kind of a little bit for a little burst right when you first start using them. So it can be kind of misleading. So it's actually, you know, less power than what you think. And, um, and then compared it to a new battery and the new battery was like really healthy. So that's how I knew. And then also, um, over the past few days I've lost like three or four pounds, which maybe half a pound of that is body weight. And then the rest of it's water weight. So I'm, I'm starting yesterday. I've started adding uh, sea salt to uh, more foods, um, and trying to go out of my way to drink more water, um, you get all excited because you're losing weight. Well, a lot of that's dehydration, and it's going to mess you up. There's no healthy way to lose weight that fast. <laughs> um, uh, for those that care, 6'3", uh, 172-point-something pounds. Um, but, again, that's dehydrated. I probably should weigh about 175 right now. All right, out, bang. Stacy's mom has got it going on. All right. Three and a half hour bike ride done. Let's go let the dogs in from out back. My rear bottle cage holder exploded all over the road. I'm glad it broke now instead of during the race. <clears throat> Bolts came loose and I've lost part of it. And then I hid the bottle cages and the, and the mount thing, <laughs> the arms in some bushes. I got to go back and get it. And what we're going to do now is, hey babies, how you doing, is run. I'm going to take a second and uh, kind of gather myself for a second, put on some running shoes and do a brick run, not exactly for the workout of it. Brick, brick runs aren't really all that useful. Once you already know it's going to hurt and then the hurt goes away, then that's not the big deal. But I want to test my fueling. And see if I freaking puke all over the place. Because after about hour two, two hours and 15 minutes in, yeah, two and a half hours in, oh, I got a booger. I, uh, I started to fade. And so I upped my fuel intake just a bit and then started feeling a whole lot better. But now I'm like, okay, so I know I got I to gotta eat more. How can I run off this? And this is a really good test because for an Ironman run, because I biked a ton yesterday and ran and swam. And now this three and a half hour bike ride, I'm feeling at the end of this easily like I've done 112. I did about 70, I think. But you know, my legs are fatigued, fatigued, fatigued <laughs> and such. And now I'm going to run. I'm probably going to run the half mile loop that goes around my house and uh, come back. I figured I was going to run inside on the treadmill, but I'm like, no, I'll run outside and get a really good simulator. And then I got a nice cold beer in the fridge for when I'm done. And then I got <laughs> I got to go with my car and go drive out there and go find the rest of my uh, rear bottle cage holder that I buried like a bone. <sighs> good ride, though. Very, very good ride. What was my... Uh, Let's look at my averages. I had to stop a few times to, um, that ruins your average a little bit, to um, like pick up my bottles and everything 
it's on auto pause, but still the slowing down and the 70.7 miles. Uh, 20.2, not bad for windy. And I'm not riding with my aero front wheel right now. It's a long story. And um, non-aero helmet and lots of drag from my jersey flapping everywhere. I'm wearing a regular cycling jersey and I got stuff all hanging out of the back and sides. Especially after my um, my bottle cage exploded, I had to take the two bottles. Uh, 1,400 feet of ascent. That's very Ironman Texasy, and average of 122 heart rate, and average watts 213, max 445. I guess when I did something, I don't know what I was doing. Uh, yep, good ride. It's 11:44 in the morning. Okay, I'm going to put this down so I can start getting my act together. Out, bang. Hello. Oh, there we go. <laughs> All right. I got to turn on the fan. Almost half hour run done. Really good numbers. Well, not really, really good, but good enough. Um, I planned on run, running half an hour, but I was running fast enough where I ran out of road. So I just finished early. So about... 27 and something minutes, almost 28 minutes. Um, I averaged an 837 pace, seven miles per hour. And um, I'm actually pretty happy with that. Of course, I'd love to run faster, but that's um, not bad. Kind of started thinking about while I was running, I felt fine. Um, I did three hours on Friday, four, no, five hours. So three hours on Friday, five hours on Saturday, and that run was capping off four hours on Sunday. So you're talking eight plus five, oh, eight plus four, I mean, 12 hours in three days, you know, and uh, of training. And, and uh, so it was really a test of fueling to make sure that what I ate was actually um, usable on the run and it wasn't going to make me sick like, uh, like I got sick in um, – at Galveston, where I couldn't run like I wanted to because my stomach was all upset. It wasn't quite long enough to be a real, real test, but it was pretty good. Like, I liked what I was feeling. And um, for a moment, I started feeling like a little bit upset stomach, and I just kind of backed off the pace and drank more water, and that helped. And uh, if you listen to the last podcast, the Galveston episode, I felt like I didn't drink enough water, and that's what was keeping my fuel in my gut and making it hurt. So today's bike ride, drank a ton more water, and I ate salt pills. And I have a tip for you. Um, you can do all this, you know, uh, endure, endure lights and, you know, uh, electrolytes and get real complicated with it and pay a ton of money. Or um, you can just get thermotabs. And thermotabs are not marketed to triathletes. They're marketed to, I don't know, like old people and um, just your average person. So you don't have the 500% markup that you get for 5,000% markup that you get for triathlon. If it's got aero, if, if you can associate it with aero bars, then all of a sudden the price just skyrockets because they figure we're all rich. And uh, anyway, so hold on, I'm scratching my eyes. I, I took a cold shower and rinsed all the pollen off already and opened up a beer. And um, so thermotabs are electrolytes. It's mostly salt, and I think it's got a little bit of something else in it, but nothing crazy. 
and they come in like a pill. And on today's bike ride, I mean, you could do the same thing. I put them in a little Ziploc bag, a little tiny Ziploc bag, and um, popped a pill uh, per hour. And I also put sea salt in um, in uh, my fuel bottle, you know. And um, I think that made a nice difference. When I finished my run, no, when I finished my bike ride and I peed before I took off on my run, my pee was relatively clear. And that's a good sign. It was like perfect. <laughs> my pee was perfect. And um, so that was a really good sign that I was you know, adequately hydrated. I peed twice during my three and a half hour bike ride. And I started off a little bit dehydrated. And as the bike ride went on, I actually got less dehydrated. My um, pee started turning uh, more clear. And yeah, a pill per hour. And that's for just nice conditions, you know. Oh, Thermotabs is like, you know, like 300 pills or something. I don't know, whatever it is, for like $3. So it's, it's just salt, you know. I mean, that's really what you need. And by the way, I'm going to be in and out of this last little bit of recording as I think of things um, that went on. Um, so I may stop, I may pause and then come back on. Um, what was the other thing? Uh, oh, oh. So when I took off running, of course, you know, my legs are pretty blasted, but not bad. So I noticed that I actually preferred to do uh, short steps on a high cadence. And what I should have had on my, um, what you should have on your watch whenever you take off running is pace. If you have a GPS watch, um, and that'll tell you if you're going too fast when you're starting off the bike. If you, you get off the bike and you start running a six-minute mile, you know, and that's not within your abilities, and you need to slow down. I need to set that on my watch so I know that I'm not trying too hard. Um, uh, it's more of like to keep you under control. And then um, you can use splits too. You can hit the lap button and it'll show you splits uh, per mile. But you're kind of guessing like where the miles are and stuff. You're hoping that they're accurately marked. And anyway, there's two types of running. There's many types of running, but there's two types that are uh, that I was thinking about while I was running. And they are um, the gazelle versus the, the glider, I think. But anyway, there's an article about this on the interwebs, and it's Chrissy Wellington versus um, Rennie. And, you know, these two have been back and forth trying to beat each other in uh, Ironman. And they have two very distinct styles of running. And Rennie is like what you see in a running catalog of just her rear leg is straight. Her front leg is up and her thighs parallel to the ground. I mean, she looks like she's freaking taken off like Superman uh, every step. And it's beautiful, right? It's extremely fast, powerful, right? But there's a lot of bouncing when you run like that. And that's fine for her, right? Because obviously she wins everything. Okay, so then Chrissy Wellington, who also wins everything, <laughs> including whatever Rooney was in, um, has this other type of running cadence or running form where she doesn't lift her feet up off the ground so much. It's more like she's speed walking, right? And um, it doesn't look anywhere near as cool, right? But she's just as fast, maybe almost as fast as Rennie, but fast enough, fast, faster than you and I could ever be. And, um, and it works for her, so um, she's not 
she's not bouncing as much and uh, she's not picking up her feet as much. And um, it looks like less powerful, but more conservative, like as far as your, uh, your, your up and down and your motion goes. And I, so I was running and I was like, well, my legs kind of hurt a little bit from the bike riding and stuff. So I'm like little short strokes. So I was keeping them closer to the ground, my feet closer to the ground and doing a higher cadence, but lower to the ground. So it was more like I was gliding, like uh, <laughs> it's a stretch to say like Chrissy Wellington, you know, cause she's doing a six minute mile and I'm doing a eight and a half. Um, average eight forty seven. Yeah. But that, oh, my run loop is actually hilly, sort of. It's got some, it's got some uh, 4% grades in it kind of here and there. Um, so I was thinking about it. It's probably more like an, it'd be a stretch, say an eight-minute mile, maybe like an 8.15 overall. And um, I'll download it and look at it, but I don't want to think about it too much. Anyway, the, um, what's really important is pay attention to how you feel and how your fueling is. I mean, you're limited to your abilities you know, to what you've trained too lately. So you don't want to get too crazy with like, I could do this. Um, so anyway, uh, but there is an upside to Chrissy Wellington's form in that the problem when you're running a marathon is, um, especially after a 112-mile bike ride, is you're going to run out of energy and you need to eat. The more you bounce the more your stomach gets upset and you can't absorb your nutrition. So you can take it to the extreme. If you walk, of course, you can, or if you ride a bike where you're not bouncing at all, you can eat a ton more. Everybody knows, everybody talks about how you can't eat on the run anywhere near as many calories as you can, as you can on the bike um, or walking. You know, like you walk through the aid stations and drink a bunch of water and let your food absorb, right, because you're not bouncing anymore. Well... If you do Wellington's glider movement, you've probably reduced your bouncing 30%, let's just say. That's significant. That's, that's a big amount. And let's say that allows you to absorb 100 more calories per hour, you know, because you're not bouncing up and down. And let's say it's at the beginning of the run when you really need to take on fuel, you know. So I, I was fine doing this at the beginning of my, of my brick run and kind of practicing, especially because your legs are tight anyway and you can't run like a beast like uh, Rennie. Um, anyway, so uh, run more like Wellington and keep the bouncing to a minimum. And you'd be surprised how fast you were going. I mean, I was doing an 8, what was it, 837, I said, or something. Anyway, um, 847. But anyway, I was doing a sub-9 you know, with <laughs> speed walking, essentially, and that's fine, man. I mean, that's like a decent time, you know, so, um, yeah, there's that. Okay, as I think more thing, think of more things, I'll come back. Hold on. Oh, my God, I want to brush my teeth so freaking bad. All right, I'm, I'm in the Zentri Mobile Studios, and I'm driving out in the middle of nowhere, or as my mom would have called it probably still does east jesus <laughs> you've never heard that it's really funny <laughs> drove all the way out to east jesus anyway to um get my bottle cages that blew off a bolt came undone and the whole thing when it came off the back of my bike it fell onto the rear tire and then banged around i thought my rear derailleur had exploded whenever i uh Oh, here's a cyclist. 
whenever it crashed and hit into the ground. Let's see. What do we got here? Oh, you're bouncing way too much. You're bouncing. Don't bounce so much. Oh, well. You got to learn. Anyway, the... Um, Oh, I saw another triathlete in Aero Bars, which was nice. I really do live in a kind of a small town, and then I ride out in the countryside, so there's there's not much uh, going on out there. It's fantastic cycling. Every time I think about moving away from here, I'm like, man, the cycling is just so good. I don't want to give that up. But anyway, I was thinking about how after this ride, I really had a lot of energy. I've been posting all over Twitter and having a lot of fun, and I'm like, so it was four hours total, you know, three and a half hour bike ride and a, and a half hour run. And that's, that's nice. That's a really good sign, you know, to have that much energy. And then let me speed up a little bit. I really am out in the middle of nowhere. Oh, I want to drive down this road and see where it goes and um, see if it's rideable on a bike. I'm going to add in a few extra miles on a, on a ride if I go down this. Road. And um, usually after a really long workout, a lot of us uh, crave salt, you know? So, like, when I do an Ironman, man, I can eat a really big pizza and dip it in garlic sauce, eat potato chips, just things that are covered in salt. What's going on there is you're, um, you're craving salt because you didn't get enough salt during your training day, during your workout, during your race, and now you're facing a, a really big limiter, you know? Well, it's obvious that you should have had more salt if you're craving it so much. There's all this debate about how much salt to actually eat. You know, how many milligrams per hour? Well, you know, how much fuel to eat and all this stuff. Well, if you just, uh, if you start from pretty much nothing, which a lot of us are doing, and then work out and do your longer workouts and then also grow your workouts. Hey, this is a nice little road. I have to measure it on the way back and see how long it is. And you, um, uh, actually, it's not that long. I don't think it's long enough. But you uh, grow your workouts by, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. You know, and that's what I've been doing over this uh, late winter, early spring is... Uh, be loud. Woo! Traction control ruined it. Okay. Then um, you can say, okay, after this workout, I felt like this, felt like that. I should up this or decrease that or whatever. And um, that should be a really good guide for you, for you and how you feel about, um, you know, what to change and what to improve on. You don't have to be all crazy, you know, and like try to follow somebody's guidelines too much. Just try, you know, improving and, and uh, there's there's a, there's a bunch. There's, I don't know, like 10 to 20 things out there that make a difference. You know, we're talking like carbs, fat, salt, hydrate, you know, water, um, sunscreen, I'm just trying to think of all the different things, you know, uh, cadence. There's like all these different things that you can work on. And um, for example, sorry, I'm chewing gum, and I'm a I'm a I'm a gum smacker. 
which is, I know, is not cool. Oh, one time I was in an arcade, and I was standing behind a guy watching him play a game. I was just waiting for him to finish so I could play. And I was a teenager. And he turned around and he looked at me and he goes, are you going to smack your gum that loud the entire time? And looking back, thinking about it, he heard my gum smacking over an arcade. You can imagine how loud that was. Anyway, so um, as I've been growing my bike rides, you know, two hours, two and a half, three hours, now we're up to three and a half. Um, I've been making little modifications here and there uh, to things. And I went from, I realized usually when I relax after after a bike ride and after a good workout on the bike, my crotch is a little numb, you know? And now it's not anymore. And I've usually got uh, saddle sores, you know, a little bit. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, so I've been improving things. But, man, this past year I've been really focusing on fixing little things. And it makes the, it makes the uh, training just so much more enjoyable to, um, to have those little things worked out. Okay, we're pulling up. There's a raven just randomly wandering around in a field over there. Got wildflowers on both sides of the road, and we're gonna pull up into this pipeline right away, gravel dirt road. I really wish they'd turn these pipeline and power line right aways into running trails or mountain bike trails. That'd be pretty cool, huh? Let's get out and see if my uh, bottle cages are still here. I was about, to, I was so mad at it, I was about to say, screw it, you know, just <laughs> leave it on the side of the road. Oh, man, it's really nice outside. There they are. But then I've got two white bottle cages attached to it with the bolts and everything. I need to take a picture of this. Angela and Nathan and I have been tweeting back and forth with XLab about improving this. Let's see. I need to turn it so it's actually a better photo. Yeah, this will do. This will do nicely. There you go. All right. That's all I've got for right now. But anyway, um... It is super nice being able to go for a long bike ride and to have eliminated all these little aches and pains and things like that. And, um, where are we going? You know, I've been doing this sport forever, guys, and I'm not backing out straight, sort of. And the, um, there's this tendency for you to be like, oh, I just got to keep going, you know, like, I'll work on that later. I'll fix that thing later. That actually ends up biting you in the butt. You should do the reverse. You should fix the little things that um, are annoying you and making the training painful first. And, um, or when you got time, I mean, as soon as you got time. And then train from there. Riding your bike should feel like 
just putting on an old pair of of uh, broken in jeans, you know, like your favorite pair of jeans that fit really nice and are just relaxed. It, there should be no aches and pains, um, no numbness, no nothing. It should feel great for hours and hours on end, and then you'll have uh, much better training. So, all right, I gotta focus. I gotta put gas in the car. I think I'm gonna grab a burger, <laughs> get some fries with some salt on it. All right, out, Bing. Oh, and jalapenos. How do I stop this thing? Oh my God, I'm going to crash trying to stop this thing. Where'd you go? All right, we've got a rarity here. I'm actually recording while running because I'm doing a really easy run. It's been really interesting. And I had a ton of energy all afternoon, which means my fueling and hydration was spot on today and I looked at my numbers and uh, that 30 minute run after I warmed up I was running an 815 and that had a little bit of uphill in it actually it finished going up that I think is a 10 hour Iron Man pace. Wait, hold on. Okay. Sorry. I had to move my foot around. And then... So I went over and helped coach somebody to their house. Had dinner with Emily, Kai. And I'm like, man, I want to go do something, but my legs are sore. I said, well, I'll just walk up and down the street, see what my legs feel like. And it actually felt good. They hurt, but it felt good to do something with them, you know. Like if we had a pool, I would have gone and swam. And done some kickboard. I'm like, well, I still got some daylight. I'm wrapping up. To run now. The sun just went down. Well, I'll go run and I'll just do whatever my legs feel like. So when I first started out, man, I could barely run at all. <laughs> and so I said, well, we're just gonna scale a one to ten. I was doing a two. And I've learned so much over the years. If that's what you feel like, then do it too. You know, don't push it. Like it, I could have gone faster, but it would have been not useful. You know, what I needed, what I realized after I started running, was I need time on my feet and to flush out the legs and to bang the legs up a little bit vertically. But I do not need any more muscle building so just run easy and knock the legs around so they feel better so it started off real slow and gradually over time I worked my way up 
I'm probably running an eight and a half right now. It's pretty nice. So that gives me, here comes a car. Five hours for the day. And the whole time I'm running, I'm thinking about what's happening tomorrow, you know. I got a phone call with Tawny. I got Cub Scouts with Kai tomorrow night. I'm going to teach them how to ride bikes. <laughs> I'm debating about whether to pull out the tri bike. In one way, it's totally overkill. But in another way, you know, things like that, seeing something super cool amps you up for the rest of your life. It gives you an idea, like, man, I could have a bike that looks like an X-Wing fighter. <laughs> that would be really cool. You know, it motivates them to get out and ride. Pretend like you're on that cool bike. You know, you get some bike ninja skills and you can end up riding a bike like this. So I'm really pleased with this run. Really, really pleased. This is nice. And I'm, I'm doing the thing with what, what feels like natural, you know. And it works. It's really nice, man. We're almost at the house. Hold on. Oh, all right. That was really, really nice. <laughs> I must have been running slow, slow at the beginning. Because <laughs> I averaged a 10.42 for over an hour running 10.42 pace. And the last uh, 20, 25 minutes, I was really flying. So <laughs> the first must have been like a 15-minute mile. Um, but that goes to show you that... You know, you just warm up really, really, really easily. Don't outrun your body. Don't outrun your fuel. And uh, things will be all right. I don't know if y'all can hear it, but there's kids playing down the street, playing kickball or something. But anyway, that's the show. <sighs> Stay tuned for next week. We're going to keep getting bigger and bigger volume. Zeroing in on Ironman Texas. It's a lot of work. A lot of work. Very interesting. Hello, Lucy. I'm home. Ha <laughs> ha.